Bam. We're live. Amanda, I don't think we're gonna, going to uh, be talking about the 49ers very often anymore. Very little 49er talk here. You should see how much stuff I'm seeing out there that I'm trying to push down. Push down. Uh, clock, the 49ers head office needs to be held accountable for the very poor. For, 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 for. Clock says the 49ers head office needs to be held accountable for the very poor performance of the 49ers. Ooh, these are the first words coming out of this mouth this morning. I should have warmed this mouth up a little bit. Oh, wow. Wait till you see this. Uh, Dr. Sean got a new backdrop. Oh, we can't hear you yet, Sean. I have all the authority. I haven't pushed the button that lets you come in yet. I see you. Um, all right. I wanted to get off some uh, contentious uh, things before Sean came on so that it wouldn't uh, get on him. I spoke to uh, Zach. Zach called me last night, and we talked for 40, uh, 45, I don't know, a long time. Hour and 45, 15 minutes. I don't know. How, we talk, spoke for anywhere between 15 minutes to an hour and 45 minutes. Maybe I'll share some of that with you guys. What's up, dude? How we doing, Savon? Good. Dang, you look good. You got a haircut or something? Or I was in Arizona last week, so I have a little bit of you know that that, that skin tone darkening. That desert glow. That's it. The desert glow. Oh, did you go to Sedona and try to have a UFO experience? I did. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I didn't understand all that like crystal stuff that's going on in you in, in Sedona, and I was yeah. in Sedona. Uh, and then my wife looked it up and. It was too late for us to go to that place where the bushes are all swirled and whatnot, but we got some really good hikes in. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed your last uh, visit on the show. Thank you. I enjoyed it too. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. And is, is as weird as this sound, I, it made me happy that my wife enjoyed it. Like my wife enjoyed the show. Why does that sound weird? I don't know. I think it's cool. It's not weird that she enjoyed the show. It's it, it, um, I enjoyed the fact that she enjoyed the show. That's the part that's a little weird. No, I, I don't. I don't think that's weird at all. I just oh. this this last week I gave a, a keynote talk in Phoenix. That's why I was in Sedona, mm-hmm. and it was the first time I like my goal for this year. I you know my wife and I discussed her no longer chasing money and working as a teacher, and to be able to raise our kids the way that we want to raise our kids, and to be able mm-hmm. to travel the way we want to travel. And so it was one of those shit or get off the pot moments for me where we talked about, you're going to travel with me when I go give talks in places. And it was the first time she was actually able to come and she was in the audience. And that was the highlight of the whole thing for me. Oh, that's cool. So I don't, I don't think it's weird at all that you liked it. You're like that. Your wife liked it. Yeah. Um, would you take her again? Was it a good experience having her there? Incredible experience. Um, were your kids there? No. It's um the, the kid thing is, we- so I used to travel a lot for work in, in, it was weird because my wife, I could tell, <clears throat> and I traveled a lot with work with her too. She, she worked for the same company, CrossFit, so she would travel a lot often with me. But there were times like things like I would go to the CrossFit Games and I could tell like she wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and, I, and sometimes she did come with me. But other times it's like I would have to explain, this isn't fun. This right. Is at four in the morning, pack, pack the bag. Uh, and start filming the behind the scenes, meets a bunch of people uh, at the hotel at five in the morning. You're never going to see me. And then I come home at midnight, dump cards and sleep for four hours. And I repeat that for you know mm-hmm. eight days. It's not going to be fun. Well, this was, I had an hour and a half of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it was Friday. I gave a talk from 11 AM until noon. Then I did a Q and a from like 1215 until 1245. And then I was free. 
but what I shared with my wife and what she understood before she came is that that's, that's what the event is asking me to come and do. But if we're going to be there, we're going to be at the mixers for all the attendees. We're going to be in the hallway taking questions. We're going to make ourselves valuable to the event in a way that other people may or may not be willing to make themselves. And so if you come, that's part of the deal. And she was all in for it. Yep. Um, did she make, did she add value? A hundred percent. Can you tell me how? Give me like some examples. I'll give you a perfect example. Listen Um, up, spouses. Listen up. This is for you. So uh, there was a a gentleman speaking at the event who I have immense respect for from afar. His name is Luca Hosevar. He owns a place called Vigor Ground in Seattle. And he's a guy who I've like, I've wanted to get to know him. I I have a lot of respect for him. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to get to know Luca when I'm at this event. And he brought his girlfriend, partner, whatever you want to call it with him. And if my wife wasn't there, it would have been an odd pairing for us to hang out the three of us. Mm. But my wife and his partner hit it off in a really cool and meaningful way. And that allowed he and I to have more intimate conversations. We were able Mm. to talk about things that were not work. That was one way she was helpful. Another way is she lends credibility to me. You know, when I'm there, she's easier to like than I am. I'm easier to want to learn from, but she's easier to like. Mm. And so people would come up to, to me and I wouldn't be ready to talk to them because I would be talking to somebody else. And she would go and say, Hey, I'm Sean's wife. I'm Kim. How are you? Um, I'm good. And she's like, I know he'll be with you in a second. He wants to talk to everybody. He just wants to give them complete answers. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The one, the right away when, when I, the, the, I took my wife to Madison. I remember the first time for the CrossFit games and I had a pretty big team helping me with behind the scenes, a a ragtag crew of like, I don't know, six or seven people. And one of the things I didn't think to do was, is I needed regular updates of who was in what place after each event so that I, then I could be like, okay, that person, I I could, it would help me figure out who I want to talk to. Cause the whole filming, the behind the scenes of the CrossFit games, it's impromptu, right? Mm -hmm. It's basically you're filming who you can, who's near you, but also like if someone just got injured or dropped 10 places or went up 10 places, you kind of want to find them and get, get some uh, content from them. Well, my wife right away, without me even asking, starts immediately sending me updates of the leaderboard, Mm -hmm. texting them to me, to the whole team. Yeah, and just right and, and just right away adds value. But but I but I would always have this fear, and, and she never uh, fulfilled the fear, is that I was gonna have to do something for her that was gonna stop me from, mm-hmm. you, you know, like like what if she got sick? Sure. You, you know what I mean? And, and then I would have to do something for her that would take away from the uh, job. But she, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's what? so important if you're gonna travel with someone, if you want to do it again, add well, value to their trip. Add, just everyone would just add value. I used to take my wife to the CrossFit games mm. when I would go and I was working with the athletes and that was a different experience. You know, like what I did this time as a speaker was much easier than the alternative where my Airbnb was a walk-in clinic. And then I was working with athletes on their mindset and their physical performance all day from you know 6 a.m. until nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and then going to bed. And I didn't really have that kind of time for her when I was at the games, but she understood that. And she was there to support me anyway. This was much more relaxed. This was like, we had time to have sex in between stuff. You know, like I wasn't just shot. So God, that sounds like a great trip. It was, it was awesome. 
hey, there's these people in my life. It's especially, I see it with um, men a lot. Well, mostly because most of my friends are men, I guess. But they, when they have significant others around, my friend changes. My dad, I'll use my dad as a classic example. Um, whenever my stepmom's around and she's been around for 35 years and she's almost always around, but when she's not around, my dad feels like he has to take care of her. Mm. And it really inhibits my relationship with my dad. I've, I've accepted it. There's nothing I can do my, now. My dad's over 80 years old. Right. Very, this is a very sensitive topic for me, by the way. Very, very sensitive. In the sense that I wouldn't want him to hear this. I mean, I've told him. About five or six years ago, I told him, and it just went to deaf ears, right? Mm -hmm. But my dad's a completely different person when she's around. There's a, a piece of him that's gone. So I'll give you just a, an ex a superficial example. I go visit him in Armenia, and uh, instead of us hanging out the whole time, he's driving her places because he feels like she can't take care of herself, which she can. Mm -hmm. But it, but but it's, it's physically, uh, socially, emotionally – intellectually he's he caters to her and he's he's absent from for me uh, to to a degree and i have friends who do that when their girlfriends are around they feel like they have to prop their girlfriends around to like include them and it's it, it, it this is a gross exaggeration but it makes me hate both of them well, it makes the, me not enjoy either of them the 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 thing that helped me know that i was marrying the right person was when i went away to chiropractic school and my wife stayed in New York when I was gone and my friends chose to hang out with her without me saying like, Hey guys, would you include Kim? Yeah. They, they were calling her to hang out, to include right. her in their groups. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why we're generally attracted to healthy people is because we don't have to do those things that you just described for a healthy person, a person who's, healthy in terms of their emotional balance. They don't need you to prop them up. If they're right. not interested in the conversation, they're not going to be in the conversation. If they are, they'll find a way in. Right. The person who's physically healthy doesn't need you to drive them around because they can get themselves around. I think innately we're attracted to the healthiness in people because it allows us to be free. I had um, uh, Asia Barto on. I know you've had him on your podcast yesterday. Asia's a, a really good friend and a oh. client. And a client oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I didn't even know that. And so, um, I just saw that uh, he was one of the thumbnails and I listened to about 10 minutes of the podcast um, yesterday. So he was on and his wife was on and we were talking about birth fit. Mm -hmm. And when he came on, you know, I see Asia and I'm, um, I'm starstruck by him and I remember our past and I, and I, and I want to focus on him, but I quickly realized his wife actually has the information podcast, <laughs> podcast that, that I want to do. Yeah. So I quickly pivot from him and I think we spent 80% of the podcast with her while he's just sitting there. And he just sprinkles of him uh, now and again, more just to change the pace than any added value. That's not a dig at him at all. It was just, she's, she works for birth fit. Yeah. And, and that was my interest and he handled it like a champ. So he never flinched, never felt like he had to insert just. He knows exactly who he is and she's a savage. So I'll tell you a, a quick story about them. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but I wanted to learn the birth fit stuff. I just wanted to see what it was all about. I wanted to take a seminar. So I told him, I, I reached out. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to take a seminar for birth fit. And he's like, why don't you come out, stay at my house, give an active life presentation the night before, and then come take the birth fit seminar. So I stayed with them for three days, got to know Asia, got to know his wife. Um, they didn't have a baby yet. So they were still sans kids. And that's where our friendship really got started. 
And then for maybe three years, I tried to court him to come and be a client with us because I knew that his gym could excel with the systems that we hope to put in place. And uh, to his credit, he made me work really, really, really hard for it. And then finally, he decided to come on board with us. And he's he's one of our favorite people to work with. Oh, that's awesome to hear that. Yeah. I, I, I um, It's interesting. You, you were very humble and gracious uh, last time you were on because – this each each time I dig into, I realize how much I don't know about what you're really doing, and I don't get it. And yesterday, I I watched the podcast with you and a guy who looks like a like a movie star actor. I forget I forget his name, but mm-hmm. tall, thin, black haired guy. It's he does that thing where he sits down and gets up with only two points of contact. You do a I, lot of videos with him. I I was on his show. Or he was on my show. He was on your show. I think he worked. I'm just, I assume he works for probably you. probably Larry. Kind of looks like Clark Kent. Yeah, tall, tall, kind. Of, yeah, I could, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, like more modern day Clark Kent with some like fraggly, yeah. De- fraggly de- hair. Depend, depending on the uh, the moment in his life, he either looks like Clark Kent or like your rabbi. He's in the other room right now training a. a oh, I could see that. Yeah. So, so in, in the center, you had um, active life. Mm-hmm. you had a big whiteboard up and you guys were talking about what active life is, and then active life was in the middle, and then there was up here was a uh, fitness. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, in the upper right, there was um, therapy, like physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And then down below was doctors and active life was at the center. And it, I wish I would have seen that the first time. That's okay. Before, yeah, I had you on because it, it, that that was a powerful picture for me. At least I could draw a lot of inference from it just from seeing that. I mean, I listened to the whole that 54 minute video yesterday, but I could have drawn a lot of inference. And it makes me what you're doing is crazy bold. Thanks. <laughs> Crazy bold. It's uh, um, you, you could say it's even um, uh, well, you have to be cocky. It's cocky. You know, um, that was part of my problem early on, was recognizing that I needed to be cocky, and what we were doing was super bold, and failing to understand that there's a difference between being cocky and being confident, because being cocky excludes other people, minimizes other people, dismisses other people. Being confident allows me the time in a conversation to really understand what somebody else is trying to say without having to prove them wrong because I can learn something from them and either incorporate it or I can understand them well enough to to help them change their mind. There was zero cockiness in the video, by the way. I appreciate that. It's been it's that's been a really, really hard work in progress. But it was, um, um, I, I was like, holy shit, like this is, let me just explain to you guys one more time. There's people in your life that might be involved in, in, in your wellness and those three people, those three organizations, those three ideas that might be involved will be um, your, your CrossFit gym, uh, your Kaiser doctor, and a physical therapist. And, and, and they might have different pieces of advice for you. Um, they might be communicating differently for you. They might be saying contradictory shit to you. They may, um, whatever. But there, let's say you have those three people as part of your holistic help program. And Active Life is at the center of those trying, I, I guess it's an organization that helps you make sense of those three things. Um, or you could just go to Active Life. And I went to the doctor yesterday, by the way, for a physical. Mm-hmm. What a... The next time anyone tries to say doctor to me and and like make appeal to authority, I'm gonna 
you're, you're just a fucking moron. I'm going to tell you some of the shit the doctor told me yesterday. I really like the guy. Complete fucking moron. He didn't know what the word autophagy was. A doctor in 2023 had never heard of autophagy. I asked him, are there any benefits to fasting? He, had, he said he had no idea. Okay. He asked me five times if I stretch. I told him five times, I stretch every day. Mm-hmm. I looked like no one in the waiting room. I'm a completely different. Mm-hmm. I'm a completely different. Nothing in the waiting room was written in English. It was all in Espanol. Espanol. Okay. This is at Kaiser. Watsonville. It was a trip, dude. It was a trip. The he the he said, "You want to live a long time with your kids?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Read this." I'm reading it. One of the main things it says on there is to make sure you cook with canola oil. No, I swear to fucking god, dude. Oh, that's bad. I swear to god, dude. And here we are. You only went so he would check your prostate. I'm a retard. <laughs> I was homeless. <laughs> that was my choice. Yes, but but yes, but it's like, how do I know? Not to cook with canola oil, and yet you're giving that to to, uh, to right, right. That well, that's the problem is is that you shouldn't have to have a level of knowledge to be able to sift through what the doctor is sharing with you. That's bullshit, bro. At one point, he said to me, uh, he's looking through. He said, uh, "Okay, so there's two shots here, tetanus, and I forget what the other one is." He said, "So we'll get those lined up." I'm like, "I don't want those." And you know what he said to me? Mm-mm. But they're free. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's wild. Oh, my God. Uh, Sevon saying uh, he is homeless is like uh, me saying I was not a heroin addict because I took a Tylenol uh, <laughs> 3. Shut the fuck. You don't even know, Trish. You pipe down. You pipe down. You pipe down. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, um, so, so you're at the center of this. So we like to think, so here's the thing, right? Is that, um, a, am I characterizing it right? Go ahead, go ahead. You're not miscategorizing it. I think that there's a there's a more accurate way to describe it. Okay. Um, we used to say that we bridge the gap between fitness and healthcare, right? Active life bridges the gap between fitness and healthcare. And then what I came to understand is that bridging a gap means you're something that people are transiently on. They're, they're on it to get from point A to point B and then they're off. And that's not what our clients that's not how our clients engage with us. That's not how our clients want to work with us. So the way that we think of ourselves now is actually that we are the off-ramp from fitness or healthcare. We're able to communicate with both of them. You want to get back on, we can help you get back on. By all means, we have relationships in all of those areas. But we help the person who feels like they're left out of the fitness industry today, who doesn't get the answers they want or need from their doctor either. So they just think they have to live this minimized life. They have a back thing they've been working around for five years, 10 years. They have a knee injury that's been their problem forever. They're 350 pounds and they don't know how to start. They have some kind of a disease and their coach doesn't understand how that disease interacts with intensity when they're training. Those people come to us. We teach coaches how to help those people in their own local network or online, whichever is more preferable to them. And then we help gyms become the model where that is the client they specialize in servicing because it makes them a category of one. It creates meaningful career paths for their staff and it repeatedly and consistently provides reliable solutions to their members. So someone comes and they says, this is my problem. 
how are you going to solve it? We don't give them all the same solution. Everybody gets whatever they need. So it's not something that exists in fitness anywhere. And it's certainly not in the healthcare industry. It's something different. Can you give me a, a, a practical application for it? So let's say I have, um, I'm 40 pounds overweight. I walk in, I'm having four drinks uh, every, seven nights a week. I don't exercise. And I come in and you suspect that I'm on the verge of being an alcoholic and I probably have type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, and then that would, that, that could be a client of yours, right? I saw some, I watched sure. some of your videos last night of people who, who have jumped on the active life program. Yes, that could be a client. Uh, okay. We, the first and thing and they're like, Hey, my, I'm going to have about to have a life. See, let me give you a lifestyle piece too. They, they're uh, 54 years old and their, their kids about to have kids and they want to live long. They now have a reason to live because they have grandkids and they feel like they have a little purpose and, and they're concerned because their, 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 their fingers and toes are getting cold. Yep. So what I'm hearing, everything that you just described is you're telling me that somebody is coming to us because they want to be a better example and they want to be more present for their kids and their family in the future. Yeah. I, I want to live I, I, before I didn't give a fuck if I died now, like at 70. Now I want to live to 75 right. and play with my grandkids. Right. I follow. So there are elements of that, that we would be a great fit to help them with. And there's elements that we would need help. If you're drinking that many times per week, there, there could be an addiction there that we're not suited to, to solve with you. We're going to have the conversation about that. You do. And, oh, hell yeah. So with that person, let me start here. Last time you said something that was, um, that was key and we kind of glossed over it and moved on. And many people after the show brought it up to me that we should unpack it a little bit more next time. And it was, you said, it almost sounds like you need to interview people before you can work with them. And I said, we do. So that person would come to us first on what we would call a discovery call. And on the discovery call, what we're doing is evaluating, do we believe that this person is ready for what we do right now? Do we genuinely believe that we can help this person today? If after that conversation, we recognize that, oh, the reason why you're drinking four days a week is your relationship is on the rocks. You have low self-esteem. You're chasing something that you're never going to catch, whatever the case might be. We would have conversations around, are you seeing somebody for that? Are you having conversations with a therapist, with a coach, with somebody who specializes in those kinds of problems? And if they weren't, we would highly suggest that they do. If we felt like those problems were too large for us to overcome, we wouldn't even take them as a client. We would tell them that we feel like we would be unsuccessful working with them because these things are rocks that are too big in the way. And we want to connect you to somebody who we are confident would do a much better job helping you with this first. Because when... When this is clear, we can help you next. What would that look like it, where I would say, no, I actually, I, I don't want to address my drinking. I think it's fine. Or if I was combative and pushed back. It, uh, if, if you were combative and you pushed back, or if you started to spiral, you know, you start to go down this path of like all these things about your childhood, your wife doesn't, doesn't understand you. And, you know, you have difficulty at home and you just need an escape from all of this. So you're looking for a place to exit. Like we're not an escape. You know, we're, we're a very intentional place where you, you don't get the shut off. You come in and you, you shut off everything else and then you turn on very much what's happening here. But then you go back to it. We don't want to medicate you, if you will, for an hour so that you end up going back to everything else the way that it was before. So we would connect that person with a mental health professional. 
if we felt like, look, you just haven't considered the damage that you're doing to yourselves. And if we can provide you with some self-awareness there, would that influence behavior change? Yeah, would. Okay, well then it sounds like you're a perfect fit for us. But now when that person comes in, what, what I think oftentimes, what happens next is they go from discovery call to a consult. So the discovery calls, we think we can help you. And this happens, by the way, for gym owners who want to work with us, for coaches who want to work with us, and for individuals who want to work with us. It doesn't matter. It's the same process. Discovery call, do we think we can help you? Do we think that you would enjoy working with us? The next step would be a consultation. Because in that one, you're really going to get to learn about us. In the first one, we want to learn about you. In the second one, we want to learn a little bit more about you, but we want to make sure you understand everything about us and how this is going to work. So you can decide for yourself if you think that this is going to be a fit. Mm. Uh, if we believe it's going to be a fit and you believe it's going to be a fit, then we make an offer to bring you on as a client, whichever kind of client it is. Once you become a client. Hey, how many clients do you, do you actually reject a lot of people? More than we accept. Wow. No shit. Mm -hmm. That's kind of nice. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's most of those. Is it always because of that? They're just not ready. No. No, no, no. Oh, so, oh, so, so, so if we get, for example, I'll give you the, the example of the person who we wouldn't accept, who shouldn't work with us, who was probably listening to your show. If you are a CrossFit gym owner who says, I love CrossFit. I want everybody to be in the open in my gym next year. I don't believe that we need or want personal training in the gym. I think that we can solve problems through CrossFit. What you would hear from me is I agree with you. And we're not the company who can help you do that in a way that would be exciting or meaningful for you. I'd like to introduce you to some of my friends. Do you know, and I would introduce them to either Jason Ackerman at Best Hour, to Stu Brower at What the Fuck Gym Talk, or to Chris Thorndike at Factory Forge. Those are the three that I typically go to. And I would say these people are going to do a better job helping you in your business than we are helping you in your business. Mm, okay, okay. But if you say like, look, there, there are people in our gym who are scaling today who have been scaling for six months and nothing is changing. It's not because they're too weak. It's not because they lack the skill. They're lacking range of motion. Something hurts them. They are afraid to do the thing, whatever it is. And we really want to help those people. You're, you're a client for us because we want to help people stop scaling, scale and, and then and figure out how to not need to scale long term. This may be off subject just a tiny bit, but there's this thing that I see periodically every three months it crosses in front of my eyeballs and it says, Hey, if you're working out and you're not getting or better or stronger, you're doing the wrong workout. And every time that kind of hits me wrong because I, I like, I, I like, um, I like, I like routine. Are you I, saying I, you see that from us? No, no, no. I don't know. I, no, no, no. I'm not saying I, I've seen that from you. I, um, I'm just saying in terms of I, what's what sparked that thought is when you say, yeah, we have people who've been doing that. You know, they come in and for six months they're they're still st scaling. I'm okay. Um, I, I, I I've I've stopped trying to get better uh, in the last four years. That's a little of a gross exaggeration. I, I like, you know what I mean. I still I know exactly what you mean. Uh, like, it's not like I'll always do air squats. I still will do lunges, but I, I haven't gotten, but I haven't been injured in four years. Hmm? I'm stoked. Well, I'm I fucking, think... I'm fucking stoked. It, but um, and, and my life has variants, right? Just my life has variants. But I don't work out to. I'm not interested in. Um, I'm, I don't care about my numbers at all. Mm -hmm. Zero. Right. But so, they like poo-poo you like you're doing something wrong if you're not getting better. It's like, listen, motherfucker. 
Well, that those I don't think you're. I need to shift for me showing up every day. Is I don't. I don't think you're going to hear that from a lot of fifty-year-olds. Right. Because okay. Because, because what what I think you're hearing, and I see the same thing. Yeah. And I've said the same thing. I've been that person. When you're in your twenties and even your thirties, to some degree, you can make progress every year, and then it's it's in the level one. The idea is to slow the rate of decay. Not yeah. To, yeah. Like you're not I'm kind of in PR, that mindset. Yes. You're not going to PR at eighty-two. It's unlikely. So, or you have to find really crazy things to PR in, right? So, like something, like so, something. I've been balancing on one foot on those balance blocks, mm -hmm. and because I've never done that before in my life, I'm setting all sorts of PRs for how long I can stand there, touching my toes on one foot, all sorts of. I'm finding other things that I can excel at that I've never done before. Sure, and that makes sense. Yeah, but that's not what they're talking about. Right, right. I know. You know, um, what you're doing, what what you're doing right now is what we would call an active life practical fitness, not functional fitness. The difference being, uh, I think that functional fitness leaves a lot of room for excess to be celebrated. So, mm. you know, how how much do you need to squat in terms of weight before you no longer need to worry that you're going to struggle to get off of the toilet when you're in your 80s? How, you know, how much do you need to be able to clean and jerk before you're no longer worried that you're going to be able to put the pitcher on the top shelf when you celebrate your friends in your seventies and eighties. Right. I think that what happens is we see the pursuit of more as good because in a lot of ways it is good, but in the pursuit of more of certain things, we, we neglect the improvement of other things that are less sexy, that are less obvious. Like, for example, standing oh, on one foot. Yeah. You know, the 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 number one yeah, getting up off the ground with that. I did I spent 10 minutes doing that yesterday. Yep. Getting off the ground with only two points yep. of contact. And I actually can't do it without um, I mean, I can do it, but I have to use some momentum. So it's I, something it's I, I watched that guy's video like 10 times getting off the ground. I'm like, how the fuck is he doing it? And I think that there was a mobility piece, how high he brings his knee up to get leverage on top of it. It's all of that. It's, it's one of the things that I would recommend any group fitness model do is incorporate two minutes of your warm up several times a week, just being lay down and get up with as few points of contact as you possibly can every, like every, every day or two, do that. And people will start to realize this is something I don't have the ability to do despite being able to squat 400, 500 pounds and deadlift right. 400, 500 pounds. Right. I can run a mile in six minutes, but I can't get off the ground. Right. Um, and, and a sit just sorry, this is following with, and a sit up is cheating. I mean, I could do it every time if I just do a sit up and then cross my legs and stand up. Mm -hmm. Sure. But that, but that's not the, no, it, it was to do it using mobility and, 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 and mechanics rather than strength grinding movements. Right. Yeah. Okay. Grinding movements. Yeah. So, so, you know, the, this is one of the areas where I, I would love to talk to Glassman about this because I'm curious what he meant when he said it. And I want to be careful to interpret his words and disagree with them when I don't even know what he's saying. We haven't defined them together. Right. When he talks about the, the needs of the elderly and the Olympic athlete differ in terms of intensity, not in kind. When we look at what someone, I think he used the word degree, but, but I, but I understand right, what you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. When, when, um, when an athlete, when a person in their 60s is coming to us, we're more focused and, in, and interested in their ability to balance and their foot speed than we are in how much weight they can move. Mm. When someone is coming in in their 20s, we don't need to worry so much about their foot speed because falling 
is a significantly lower risk for somebody in their 20s and a significantly higher risk for somebody in their 60s. Mm-hmm. And the number one, number one indicated skill set that somebody has, if you want to call it a skill set that protects them from falling, is foot speed. So how often are we training people in foot speed in their 60s? And that to me, that's something that need like that's not going to happen in a group environment when there's a 60-something-year-old and a 20-something-year-old. Because the 60-year-olds, if they want to live a long time, they want to be vibrant, they have to avoid falling or they have to be able to fall gracefully. Foot speed is imperative for them. Mm -hmm. The 25-year-old, when they fall, they're just going to put their hand down and protect themselves. Or roll and laugh and try to keep the beer in one hand and the joint in the other. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Like we've all done. You know, you fall down, you save your beer. Yes, exactly right. So when we work with gyms and when we work with coaches, they're hey, I don't see the problem though, Sean. There with um, I see that degree. That's degree in kind, right? Um, the the old person needs to um, it might be. That's why I said I would okay, I would, okay, I would okay, love okay, to ask okay, Glassman okay, about what okay. he means by it because I don't see that being interpreted at the affiliate level. Right, right, right. Okay, okay, yeah. So by the way, great. I love foot speed stuff. It's great. I do all that shit all the time it, uh, with, uh, with uh, old rogue one inch, uh, one and a half inch floor pads. I love it. Back and forth, getting my feet up there as fast as I can, then increase it to three inches. And then, and, mm-hmm. yeah, it's awesome shit. Awesome yeah. stuff. When, when gyms and coaches come to us, it's because they recognize the same thing that we're recognizing, that they're struggling to incorporate that into their, into their model, that they want to be able to help the person who today their model is able to help, but not built for. Right. And they want to, they're saying like, look, when I was in my twenties, when I was in my early thirties, yeah, I wanted to work with athletes. I wanted to work with people who were already kind of fit, who would come into the gym and wanted to throw down. They wanted to throw a score on the whiteboard. They wanted to PR. They, they wanted to rip their shirt off. They wanted to get that extra rep. And that was cool when I was that person too. Now I'm seeing my parents, I'm seeing my aunts and uncles, I'm seeing my friends, I'm seeing my coworkers, well, not my coworkers, but you know, their coworkers, their colleagues, whatever the case might be. And you're like, those are the people who really need my help and they're not walking into my gym. Why not? And it's not necessarily because your gym can't help them. It's because they believe your gym is unlikely to be able to help them. And so they'd rather not risk anything at all. If you create a model that makes it seem for those people and by make it seem, make it real, that you are focused on helping them, then they will show up. God, dude, there's a, there, that's, there's a great name for a business somewhere in there you just said. I think it's called the Pastouche Method. Yes, the Pastouche Method for sure uh, is, is, is top notch. Um, but but that, that's the thing. Uh, the you want to go somewhere if 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 you need to buy a desk if you need to buy a chair for your desk in your office you don't go to bevmo right cuz it's unlikely that they have one you you might be able to find one there you might be able to tell the kid behind the counter hey do you got any chairs in the back i'll give you 50 bucks slide it out the back door i'll take it mm-hmm. but if you go to office depot they're going to have some shit for you 15 yes. chairs to choose from and so you have to con- that you have well, you said you have to convince, but you have to be sincere about it. You have to have something that's likely to help people. Yes. And 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 one of the biggest things that I get into, uh, trouble is the wrong word, but it's the one I'll use, with CrossFit affiliate owners and CrossFit staff, uh-huh. is that 
I, I like to parse out who I believe CrossFit is exceptional for and frankly, world-class for. Right. And who it could be exceptional and world-class for, but isn't likely to be. And the pushback that I get is- Or unlikely was the word you used, which is a pretty powerful word. It, is well, it, it is unlikely? A, it is, is unlikely. It unlikely you're going to get a chair at BevMo. Right. Uh, and it's the pushback that I get is just that I'm, I'm a hater. I think the thing sucks when the, the opposite couldn't be more true. Right. I own three affiliates. Right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I just, I, I just wanted to just show this cause I just really like this. Um, I, when I first met, uh, Dr. Uh, Sean of the Pastooch method yep. currently called the active life. Um, he was, it was at the CrossFit games and, um, him and he, him and his, uh, one of his colleagues was working with, uh, Brooke Wells. And I always, it's so funny. I came across this video yesterday and I always, it's, I forget that we had that, uh, in common, but look yep. at this, uh, look at this tremendous skill and dexterity on, uh, on, that Brooke Wells has in the middle of nasty girls version two. Um, a, 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 a really kind oh did you see that yeah. she took her shirt off <laughs> that's when the while, fuse went up while do, doing pistols hey and look at her pistols like this circular motion with her left leg I guess she does it with her right leg too I don't know if it's good or bad but I'm fucking impressed this is from six years ago yeah so somehow um, I got to rub Jared Stevens butt and my partner got to rub Brooke Wills butt <laughs> That was, and, and what was your job? Um, okay. So we had athletes coming to us who were experiencing aches, pains, injuries that they wanted to be able to continue training through and overcome. So our job on paper was to get rid of their aches and pains and allow them to train. Our real job, the one that we frankly only spoke with a handful of them about and in real conversation was to restore their confidence okay, because, okay. because they, you know okay, what? Okay. You follow. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. What was interesting is because that's why they were really coming to us. Yeah. They didn't find out who we were working with until we got to the games and they saw us working with other people because they, nobody wants anyone they're competing with to know that there's a crack in the armor. And so when we got to the games, it would be like, oh yeah, oh you're working with them too, yeah, okay, I'll I'll, I'll grab you in a second. Um, uh, this I think this will tie in nicely here. At least he was honest and didn't pull some answer out of his ass. Uh, Lee Pinkman is saying that about the doctor. I totally agree. Here's the thing: he poo pooed autophagy. I said, hey, what do you think about um, you know, I I I, I don't eat for about thirty hours uh, once a week for the last three years, and he looked at me like I was crazy. And then I go, what do you think about, you know, three and five days and getting into some autophagy uh, at my age? And he's like, what is that? And I explained to him, he goes, just stay away from that nonsense. I was like, wow. Okay. Like, I, I got it. Great guy. Once again, I, like just on a personal level, like, cool. The, he walked in the room. I haven't been to, he told me I haven't been to the doctor since I've been 44. I'm 51. And um, when he walked in the room, I stood up to shake his hand and I could tell he was shocked that no one's ever done that. Can I, can and I said, and I said, hi, I'm Sevon. And, and he's like, uh, I'm Dr. What the, the true story. I'm Dr. Watson. I go dope fucking name. <laughs> can I jump in on what Lee said? There? Please, please. 
what I would want the doctor to say, like, here's, here's the problem that I think that you were spelling out that maybe didn't come across for Lee. Two seconds ago, he didn't know what it was. Now he's sure you shouldn't do it. Right. What right. would be great is if the doctor right. said, you know, that's, that's interesting. I feel like I've heard of that a while back. What I want to do is look into it a little bit and get back to you if that's okay. Right. Right. That, in that case, you'd be like, wow, I'm really surprised he didn't know about it, but he did a really responsible thing. It was the fact that he was flippant about telling, you no, don't do that. That, that, that became part of the problem. And then it compounded by use canola oil five times. Did you stretch it? They're, they're all symptoms of the same problem. Uh, and, and Lee, by the way, um, that's not your fault. That was my fault. I didn't go into detail enough. Here's an, here's another thing. So I went in there and my, um, uh, my blood pressure was uh, 125 over 75. And I, and I didn't know what that was. And so I got home, looked it up and it, I'm, I'm, I guess it's, I'm perfect. Mm-hmm. And the lady just did it. So I walk in there, I walk in there, I'm holding my phone, a clipboard, my wallet and my, um, and my uh, AirPods, right? I got my whole, this is like my whole life in my wallet. Got a wallet full of cash because I'm a baller. I got the cool AirPods because I'm a baller and I got my phone and I can do anything, right? And, and, and then the clipboard and she goes, stand on the scale. No high, nothing. I get on the scale. <laughs> says I'm 175. It's, it's like, it, I've been taking creatine for 60 days. I put on like 12 pounds. She says nothing about it. I'm 5'5", 175, right? And then, and then she sits me down and takes my blood pressure and my, my heart rate. And my heart rate's uh, 59, which I think is absolutely amazing for I'm freaking out and I've just walked across the room, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't give me like, hey, take 10 breaths, nothing. It's just my resting heart rate is, is now not my resting heart rate. And, and then I want to show you uh, this in, in as opposed to uh, this is what she, she should have done when she saw my uh, – this is what she should have done when she saw my – what my um, – Heart rate was right here. Okay. So this is you uh, playing in the yard uh, with one of your daughters. Okay. Here we go. And this ties into what you were saying of why athletes really, what, what you're really there to do with the athletes. Okay. So she sees how passionate you are. She sees how hard you're trying. And then when she catches it, she gets rewarded. Hmm. The lion roars. She that like she gets like how cool would it have been if she would have been like, dude, good job. Only one out of eight people who comes in here with blood pressure. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, like just uh, instead, instead, she's like fucking with her nose ring and pulling her shirt off her fat gut because she and she works at the hospital and she you you know what I mean? And I can look down at her feet and see she's got like gout or some shit. You know what I mean? And she's Mm -hmm. wearing shoes that so that her feet because she got some issues with her. It's just. It's it's not that place isn't designed for someone like me. I'm not I'm not even like he asked me how often I work out and I was afraid to tell him uh, two to five hours every day I'm sweating. I said half hour a day and he still didn't believe me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I worked a half hour prep prepared while I prepared for this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's drenched on my notes soaking wet. It's just um, and, and then I see this on your video. and I'm like, why the fuck can't I get that in the hospital? I had to come home. And find out what my what what good blood pressure was. You know, um, and that's what you do there, right? You're like, imagine the psychological value I would have gotten if he would have said, someone would have just said, "Great job with the blood pressure." Oh, for sure. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. Unfortunately, yeah, you're not like most people. 
Or most people are not like you. They're not insecure and need attaboys like me. It's, it's not, <laughs> there's that, but, but, but the other, the other, like the, the unfortunate part is this, because I, we talk to doctors all the time. It's part of our, you know, we have to be tapped into the medical system and into the fitness system. If we're going to be effective, most doctors have just had it beat out of them. They want to be able to give you what it is that you're describing wanting. Most patients don't want that. So if they start giving you that information, they get shut down by the patient and they get the feeling that you got, but they get it a hundred times in a day. And so they stop oh. trying to do it. Oh, That's, it's the unfortunate truth about the medical system that we have today. People generally do want the pill, the surgery, the shot so that they cannot have to do anything about it themselves. Yeah, he, when he said the shot's free, I was like, is he now going to follow this up with, hey, tetanus is like a real problem in Watsonville? Or No, it was just the only justification was – then he said, do you want – yeah, it was crazy. Right, well, because that's that's a learned behavior. He was offering people the shot for years, and they were asking how much is, – is it extra? Does it cost more money? And he was saying, no, it's free. So now he's just got to the point of saying the shot's free. Why would you not want it? It's not that doctors don't want to be helpful. It's that the patients, generally speaking, don't want to help themselves, unfortunately. Mm. And so the doctors now are skewing their practice to meet the patients where they are, which is unfortunate for the people like you or myself or the people who we, you know, who are really important to us when we walk in and we want a different level of service. I, I'm, I'm This next part, I'm not making up. I know it's going to sound like I'm making up. I'm not. He said, so uh, you came in here when you were, I forget, um, he said. Or when you came in here when you were 44, you came in for two reasons. I said, oh, yeah, what were they? I forget. And he said, uh, you were peeing a lot and um, and you had a bad back. And I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, what happened with that peeing a lot? And I said, a, a dude, they, my bladder was emptying fully and the dude stuck his finger in my ass and everything was fine. Even though it had to be – I had to have two dudes do it. And he goes, okay, well, are you still peeing a lot? And I go, no. And he goes, why not? And I go, because I'm not drinking 12 sparkling waters every day anymore. Right. So that's how stupid I was. I was drinking 12 sparkling waters a day and wondering why I was peeing so much. I, I, I stopped drinking sparkling water and, and, and I, I, I don't, don't drink two pints of water before you sit down for a podcast. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. It is. It's the, um, so, and then the bad back, he said, how's your back? And I said, it's, 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 fi it's fine. He goes, does it still hurt? I go, yeah, every morning I wake up, it hurts for an hour and then it goes away and doesn't come back until the next day. And he goes, well, do you want acupuncture? And I go, does that work? He, and he says this. It's free. Mm. He doesn't even tell me if it works. I'll tell you what would work. What? Book a discovery call. We'll find out if we can help you. Oh. <laughs> you and what would I complain about on this show? Well, you would complain about everyone not doing what we do for our clients. Yes. That'd be a good. That'd be a good. Um, isn't it just normal for a 50-year-old to wake up with a, a stiff? Normal and so unfortunately it's been normalized. Okay. So it's not normal. You think there's 50 year olds who wake up and it's just like, it's all yeah. good. Yeah. Oh. My ego doesn't want me to believe that. Well, your, your ego, your ego, but, but it's been like that since I've been 35. So, right. The, the, the thing is this on the spectrum of what could be wrong, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. And I am because I haven't been injured in four years because I fucking I, I take the girls weights and then divide by two. I mean, because you haven't been injured in four years. I mean, yeah. more importantly than that, because you don't feel like you need to chase some machismo weight, intensity, speed, whatever the case might be, because you are at peace with who you are 
And so this is what I need to stay healthy. And this is what I'm going to do is where you've landed emotionally. And I think that that's way ahead of most people. What I'm describing is you, you still may be doing too much volume. You still may be just Hmm. inconsiderate of which two movements maybe shouldn't go together so often. Or right, like, right, this right. is the same wow. as God, that's astute. Yeah, I know what some of those things are you're saying, and I still pursue them. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example that's that's less obvious for people. Yeah. When we see, there are some simple things that you can see in the gym that are not always going to be revelatory of what I'm describing right now, but sometimes they are, and it's worth looking further. The person who, for example, does a good morning whenever they're doing a heavy squat on their back. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, not always, oftentimes that person will be really good at deadlifting as it compares to their squat. That might be a person who squats 200 pounds and can deadlift like 350. And so they're comfortable can't cantilevered over there. They'd rather hinge. Right. So now what happens is every time you give that person back squats, they hinge it. Mm. The same is true in the opposite direction. The person who, as soon as they get the barbell above their knees on a deadlift, they start jackhammering, right? They, they throw their chest up and they pop, 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 you know? You, yeah. You, yep. That's a person who oftentimes would ray would way rather be squatting. So what happens is you think you loaded that person in a hinge pattern on Monday and a squat pattern on Tuesday, but because of the way that their body has adapted, mm. they figured out how to squat it on Monday and then squat it again on Tuesday. Mm. And so they're overloading their squat unintentionally, not because of your programming being bad, but because of how their biomechanics and their strength are working for them. Um, uh I had this goal to um, about a year ago to do a hundred pound dumbbell snatch and a strict muscle up. And I was going to just do one each for 10 rounds and I, and, and make a little video and, and I had talked about it on this um, podcast. And so I'm working my way up to the hundred pound um, dumbbell and yesterday. And so the, the listeners actually bought me an 80 pound dumbbell. Nice. And so yesterday I was like, okay, I'm going to do 30 um, snatches with the 80 pound dumbbell. And I can only work on one side because my left side's fucked up. My, my something's wrong with my bicep so it's, it's, it, i'm exacerbating the problem but i got to 10 and and something didn't feel right in my shoulder and something didn't feel right in my hamstring so i stopped i would have never stopped 10 years ago right never and the next morning my shoulder's fine i'm like thank god i stopped but my hamstring something's fucked up with it you know what i mean just mm-hmm. sore as fuck like so sore it's like never been that sore even from doing like 100 deadlifts with 135 straight i mean it's ne- like something happened to it but yeah, you're right. I just, I, I'm not doing dumb shit. I feel just less than the dumb shit I'm doing. Well, first of all, I mean it when I say I would, I would love to see if we can help you. Oh, thank you. I, I, I would love to see if there's something that we can this do. This show there. is over. I got my freebie. Thank you. We'll That's see it. You. We're done. Um, <laughs> I would love to see if we can help you. And if we can't, we'll, we'll be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, the other but it's just of, mental shit. I think most, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, the other side of what you're saying is, is, is the more important part, I think. And it's, you felt something that felt wrong. So yeah, very started, little that normally I would have always pushed through, but, but you, I'm like, dude, I'm not pushing through this. You shut it today. down. Yeah. And that's what we talked about in the last episode. Mental, t- mentally tough athletes make tough decisions. Right. And, and you know, the ego would have liked you to have continued going. Cause now yeah. what, what could happen is the rest of the day. Did I do enough today? Did I even work out? Like, what do right, I do? Right. What do I do? I, have all, I have all those thoughts. Yep. Yep. And you know, the, so you have, you have, you have the, the, this voice saying, you're a bitch, do another workout, grab something heavy, carry it around the block, you can do something. Yeah. And then this voice is saying, you did enough and you've been training for the last 20 years consistently, you can take the rest of the day off. And right. you listened to this one, which was a smart one to listen to. Yeah. Or I think probably I just got on the assault bike and for 10 minutes. That's always like my... Hmm? 
Uh, Jethro uh, Cardona, my training partner lost 85 pounds. A uh, doctor asked how. He said CrossFit. He said congrats. Don't change a thing. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. That's um. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, sway, uh, sway fit, sway CrossFit. Uh, just because I appreciate. Thanks. Well, that's cool. Um, thank you very much. Uh. Let me see. Oh, oh, here, what is this? Uh, if you don't see Sean flying to Naples, come see me, Sevy. Okay, I will. Where I don't wait. Where, where are you again? Are you in? You're not in Naples, are you? Me? Yeah. We're everywhere. I'm in. I'm in Long Beach, New York, but our company is okay. around the world, and I will be in Sacramento on May 17th through like the 21st. Are you doing something with Mark Bell? Yeah. Oh wow, that's cool. Are you excited about that? Yeah. Did you just see he just ran the Boston Marathon? I did see that. That's crazy, right? Yes. He's a big dude. He's a big dude and he's a strong-willed dude. I have a lot of respect for everything about how he did that. Like he did it in 6 hours and change. Uh-huh. And that's not fast. And not once did he apologize for it. Right? He put up like 6 hours, 16 minutes, whatever it was. Such a great experience, all this kind of stuff. Filmed himself training for it. I just I have so much respect and, and reverence for his ability to be a beginner at so many different things. I would like your opinion on this, but even though I have a pretty strong opinion on it myself, pe people don't realize that that six hours in itself is in ways more difficult than the three hours because mm -hmm. he had to be on his feet. Of course it's it. For the that person, long. I'd seen people run races in three hours and other people 24 hours when I filmed this desert runners. And the people like I remember the people who did it in three hours were like, dude, being on your feet for 24 hours out there in that terrain is insane. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt. Yeah. I mean, what he went through. Like, yeah. It's, it's funny, right? How time can be. We were, were impressed by it, the three-hour. But what Mark did being that big and on his feet for six hours and moving is nuts. You know, what's – what's it remind, I, the trip I was just on in Sedona, we're on a hike, my wife and I. Uh, my wife and me? I. So we're, we're hiking up this mountain, and people keep on asking us as if we're tour guides. I don't know why they thought we knew the answer. But they're like, um, like how far till we make it? How far till we make it there? How far till we're at the – you know – and I finally stopped one person and I was like, you're missing the whole point. Oh shit. You did. Yeah. Cause it was annoyed. I, like, it, it was, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was, I'm like, why, why are you just trying to get to the place where you can take the photo? Look around. Like, yeah. ha have you, have you yeah. looked up in a moment? And I feel like, you know, what I was explaining to them and I went on to explain, I was like, you know, you're, you're missing so much opportunity to just enjoy where you are right now. I don't know how far we are from the peak, but I think this is pretty cool. Don't you enjoy it? Have a great how hike. Did, how did they respond? Like, yeah, thanks. It was just Oh, that. really cool. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Mark Bell doing a marathon in six hours and 16 minutes is the same thing. Like every step he took was making it, you know, and, and, and there's, there's a lot of, expectation that people have around how fast am I going to run? Am I going to finish on broken without taking any walking in the middle? Who cares? Yeah. Like you, the whole thing is doing it. He walked 50 miles, uh, in, in like a couple of years ago. It's a lot of miles. Yeah. That's a, that's a, uh, once again, that's a long time to be doing just that little short range of motion. Mm -hmm. 
when when I first started doing CrossFit, uh, I, it, and I would do it in the park in Berkeley, it, every day someone would come up to my wife and I or the people, and they would say, "What are you training for?" Mm-hmm. That's a trip, right? Yeah, I don't remember. We're not training you. for anything. I remember if I told you last time, my wife and I pull on the sled. Did uh-huh. I tell you about this? Maybe tell me again. We have the uh, the rogue sled that you drag with the strap. Uh huh. So when we don't feel like doing anything that we have to think, we just go for like a a walk dragging a heavy weight. Yeah, just, and like take turns doing it. No, we each have one. Oh so wow! I'll just, I'll just wow. Does she have a pink one and you have a blue one? No, they're both black. So uh, <laughs> so last time we went, I ended up like a half a block ahead of her or a block ahead of her, whatever it was, and. Someone pulls up the car next to her. They're like, are you okay? She goes, yeah. No, my like, husband's mad at me. I have to do 10 <laughs> laps. <laughs> they're like, they're like, they're like do, do, you need, do you need help? Like they thought that she was, I guess, like tied to something that she wasn't supposed to be able to run away from. They hadn't, maybe they didn't see me up ahead. But it's, it's so foreign to people to see somebody laboring you know, not, not giving a baby, but like laboring through a workout Yeah, that, that they stop to make sure everything is okay. It's wild. What, and, and what are you, tra- and I, and these were, this was, we would train at a track. So it was other people who were exercising, but they were so unfamiliar with that much effort mm-hmm. that they thought we were training for something. Another interesting one is twice. My wife's had uh, two black eyes in the last, you know, six years. She hasn't had one in a couple of years, but probably th- three years but both of them were uh happened in the bed from a baby you know jerking jerking a head Mm -hmm. or an elbow one was like a one wasn't one was a black eye like a good legit black eye and one was like a mouse well i've seen those punches your kid can throw (laughs) yeah yeah and these were in the sleep sleeping mom uh, or sleeping kid too right in the sleep Mm -hmm. so um and, and people would say to her every time uh like you know just like some lady walked up to her whole foods if you need someone to talk to i'm here for you Mm-hmm. too i'm just like wow uh wow it's it's interesting people's uh perception of things well because we keep ourselves so safe these days right, you know, right. It, it, it it is it is cool that um somebody would check on my wife it's cool that somebody would check on your wife i'd rather sure. check okay than, i feel you check. but the other side of that same coin is black eyes can be like like if, if we were still working like we're meant to work as people we'd all have black eyes from time to time we'd all have a limp from time to time like we it would just be the thing but we don't because we live in you know modern society sitting behind desks and whatnot right it's just it's just interesting how there's there's this automatic uh uh, pre uh supposition that she was hit it's not even like hey Mm -hmm. they don't even check in on her they just straight go to like your boyfriend beats you. Uh, yeah. Heidi, I love having visible bruises from right. jiu-jitsu. Um, okay. Uh, I, I love this uh, topic. Um, purpose. I love uh, uh, this topic. Um, this is a card. Uh, I'm going to go through and read some of these. If you're struggling to stay disciplined, consider this. What is um, disciplined? Are you asking me? Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm asking you. It's, I don't have the exact definition, but it's, it's, it's the ability to stay consistent to a process or to a task. Okay. I like that. If you're struggling to stay disciplined, consider this. Do you have purpose? Um, purpose is so underrated. 
um, can you tell me what purpose is? Oh, here. Uh, purpose is incentive. If something is very important to you, it's easier to endure the difficult times in, in pursuit of it. I think purpose is so powerful that if you have purpose, it could actually keep you alive. I, no, not can. Does. That's been studied. It's, it's true. It has? Oh, yeah. Cancer patients and, and, and uh, terminal patients who have a reason to survive yeah. survive more often than people who don't. Is it significant? I don't have the statistics and I don't know what your definition of significant would be, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to have something worth living for when I get close to the end. What do you mean? And what would that be? Meaning it's, it's significant enough for it to be worth it to me to always have something worth living for. Right. Um, can you choose purpose? I, I don't know. Um, I think purpose is revealed through experience. Oh, so, that's so, so, good. so for example, uh, you know, I thought I, I'll give you a story. I had a mentor ask me one time, why do you do what you do? Now there's some background you probably don't know here. I'll give you the background first. My uncle was the CEO at an investment bank in Hong Kong. And I had just gone to visit him and well, not just gone, but in 2011, I went to visit him before, uh, I opened my first gym and, while I was there, one of his managing directors offered me a job. He said, don't even go back to New York. You'll be a millionaire before you're 30. Stay out here. You're a Jewish kid from New York. This is your uncle. It's your God-given right to make millions of dollars in finance. Those are his words. Amen. Yes. Amen. The congregation may be seated. Yes. So I, I didn't take it. So now we know that. Okay. Dumbass. That's the background. I have whatever. What are you going to do? So I'm in this meeting with this mentor of mine. And he says to me, why do you do what you do? And I said, oh, that's easy. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, this is the thing. It's in the Instagram bio. It's soft and cozy. Like, here we go. He's going he's gonna to really be impressed by this. I said, I want to provide for my family. I want to leave a legacy. I want to change an industry. And he's like, that's really cool. Um, it's bullshit, but it's really cool. I was like, what are you talking about? That's my purpose. I've thought about this a lot. And he goes, Sean, you're making less than $30,000 a year right now working 17-hour days. How is that providing for your family thing going? I'm like, uh, it's not. He's like, and what if they died in a car wreck tragically? Would you quit your job and go do something else to better provide? I said, no. It's like, okay, so we can take that one off. Um, are you leaving a legacy that you're proud of right now? No. He goes, is the industry changing as a result of what you're doing? And of course, there's this like, there's this part of me that's like, well, I just haven't done it yet. Right. But, but no, he's like, I would, I would urge you to really think about why you do what you do. I don't think, you know, and that frankly set me off on like a, a 30 to 45 day. I don't remember exactly how long, really dark period of my life where it was also extremely valuable where I got to figure out who I am. That was the catalyst for that, that conversation. It was the catalyst for that thought. Yeah. But the catalyst for hiring the mentor in the first place was my wife had saved 50. My wife was a teacher. She was making like $55,000 a year at a time at the time. And I was the doctor gym owner event planner who was, couldn't crack 30 grand working 17 hour days. You know, we went yeah. on a walk one day. My wife told me she didn't want to be a single mom, which meant I want you to be home. I want you to be present. And that didn't do it enough. So the event, the last year that I was responsible for it, we lost $26,000 in our event, despite putting a thousand people into it. It just was, we were like 200 people under what we anticipated. And that ended up being $26,000 in expense that we didn't cover. We had no working capital. I wasn't a good business person at the time. So that was coming out of my bank account, half of it. My wife had saved $15,000. 
I walked into the kitchen of the galley kitchen of our apartment crying because I, I failed bad. I was ashamed and I knew I had hurt somebody else. And I apologized to her. I told her I had lost $13,000 or $15,000 that you saved to one day help us buy a house. And I'm sorry. And she hugged me. She reminded me that I told her when we got married, it was in my vows. I told her I was the penny stock. You know, one day I would appreciate and she'd be happy that she invested early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next week, I think it was, I hired the mentor. And that, and that's the mentor you had the conversation with, with purpose. Yep. And, and, and where did that go after um, 45 days? Did your purpose change? A hundred. It was a 180. And, and what did it change to? I ended, well, I have a mission statement that I read every morning that changes from day to day. Uh, I mean, not from day to day, excuse me, from like, I change the verbiage, I change the, the whatever, the, the grammar. But um, my purpose effectively now is I really want to be a husband that makes my wife proud. Mm. I want to be a father that helps my kids gain self-awareness and make them competent adults. Mm. And I do want to leave a legacy that, I'm proud of and that my kids will be proud of and that my future generations will be proud of. So if what I'm making decisions around, and I want to help people, I want to help people achieve success that they otherwise wouldn't have. I could read the statement to you that that was a jumbled version of it, but when I'm making decisions about things I want to do now or things I don't want to do now, I always just put it up against that. Does this, does this get me closer to that? Does this get me further from that? And there is nothing that, doesn't do either of those things. Cause if it doesn't get you closer and it takes time, it's an opportunity cost to something that would have gotten you closer. So it's taking you further. And that's how I make decisions. Say that last part again. There is things are only either bringing you closer or taking you further. Mm-mm-mm. Because if you're doing something that is neither taking you closer or bringing you further, it's costing you time. And that time is an opportunity cost when you could have been doing something else that would have been bringing you closer. So you've lost time and you've gained no distance. I I talk about that a a little, something similar to that with raising kids. There's absolutely zero homeostasis. And as harsh as this may sound, and you can, anyone can choose the words they want. You're either hurting your kids or you're, or you're making your kids better. Mm -hmm. And so be very careful because a lot of people thinking that like, there's just some homeostasis and there's not. Well, something you're either, you're either fucking them up or you're or you're allowing them to get better. I don't care what words you use, but one of the ways is not good. Something that you did on your Instagram account that I thought was really cool. I commented on it, and it's something I, I do all the time as well. Is you did something and your kid got hurt and your kid not badly, right? But your kid oh, was Oh yeah, I dropped my I dropped yeah. my kid. Yeah. And <laughs> and you were filming it because you probably wanted to be able to see him do the the backbend or whatever. Yes, yes. And I wanted to send it to his judge. Uh, I was trying to court a gymnastics teacher and I wanted to show her like, Hey, yeah. what we're working on. Right. I hope you sent her that one. But I did. So, but so you apologized to him. Yeah. I feel like that's something that parents for whatever reason struggle to do because it's, I don't know why, but it's something that I found. I really- can't relate to that at all. By the way, that sounds like you just told me like the UFO guy I had on. Right. Well, it's like, like I, I'm not like, oh yeah, I get that, or it's hard for me sometimes. I, I have no, um, I have no, I've, I, I, I can't imagine like why, why that would be. Even. Well, I, 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 
okay. Can you? So if you can explain it to me, yeah, I'm, and I'm open to it. I, and it's not because I'm not trying to say it to be arrogant. I'm just fucking naive. I can't see why you wouldn't say sorry to your kid. Well, I think people would more easily say sorry to their kid for something like what you videoed because they did something that genuinely accidentally hurt their kid. And then they said, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. That I think that's a right. reflexive thing that some that, that more parents can do. The harder sorry, which and the truth is, it, is I kind of wasn't even sorry in that instance because I thought it was a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I said sorry to him to so, to get him over the hump. Sure, right? I, you but, know what I mean. But the way you, in my I could, mind, I wasn't like, man, I really fucked up. Well, I haven't seen you do this on your Instagram, but the way you something about the way you said this led to me believing that you would. I've done things that I didn't realize in the moment emotionally harmed my kid. Right, right. Me too. Yes. And, and then yes. they they get upset and they they retreat. And then, you know, like yelling at my kid because I stepped on a toy that they left out that I asked them to clean up right. second times that was now yep. by the kitchen knives. And I'm like, oh, get over yeah. here and pick this yeah. up. Yeah. And it, immediately after doing that, I'm like, fuck. That's one where the kid goes upstairs, they get upset. And then it, I give them some time to calm down. And then I go upstairs and apologize. I apologize because I reacted in a way that was inappropriate and ineffective. And I was frustrated and this is how I felt and this is what I did. And I apologize. It was the wrong way to do something. I got the sense that you do that also. That's the one I think parents more often have a hard time doing because it's no, they shouldn't have left their fucking toy in the kitchen. Well, sure. And you shouldn't have screened at them. Right, 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 right. I'll give you a a great example that uh, a couple, uh, one, I really fucked up a couple weeks ago. um, So I have three boys. And so there's, in, so whenever they pee, if I take them somewhere to pee, especially when they were younger, every time I would pull their pants down or they'd pull their dick out, I would slap their dick up to make sure it's peeled off their legs, mm-hmm. right? So or I'd just grab it and just peel it off their or off their, uh, their their scrotum. And so we have this little toilet in the van. For, if you for those of you boys, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a boy, you don't know what I'm talking about. But you got to especially sweaty boys. Mm-hmm. Any sweaty cock and balls, you got to be careful where the dick's pointed the right way before you just start peeing. <laughs> So they would, they, and especially kids, they don't give a fuck. They just pull down their pants and just go. Mm-hmm. So he he's eight, and he and he's and I, we have this little toilet in the car because we're always out and about. And he's like, and we're at the skate park. He's like, hey, I'm gonna go in the van and pee. I said, okay. So I go back there to the van with him, and he's eight. So I don't, as he pulls down his pants, I don't, I didn't reach in and like peel his dick off his balls. I'm like, well, he's got that figured out. And we're sitting there talking, and I realize that all the pee is leaving the toilet. I've never seen that happen in all the years because I always make sure. Like, push them back far enough, make sure the cock and balls are peeled and dangling properly. And the whole pee goes off the side. And instead of me laughing my ass off and being like, Hey dude, we're never going to forget this day when you just unloaded a full piss in the van. <laughs> I started yelling at him. Right. I started yelling at him. And then like five minutes into yelling at him, I'm like, and he, I could see he's fully contracted. Right. He's like gone into himself. I'm like, dude, he goes, what? I'm like, I fucking just ruined a fucking one of your, a, a great memory. Mm-hmm. This could have been so funny. And I could have been just a bro and been like, dude, you pissed all over the van. Shit, let's clean it up. Mm-hmm. Instead, I, I made you I, I made you feel like an asshole. Yeah, I felt fucking horrible for that. Could have been a great experience. I mean, I did and I said sorry to him and I explained that whole thing to him. Mm-hmm. I shit the bed. I have I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. But I mean, I but but for any parents who don't who are, do have trouble doing that, you'll feel so much better doing it. I'm never like I'm, I feel so much better doing it because you want your kids to be successful, whatever that yeah. looks like. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yesterday, I uh, this this is an, I'll tell you another really this is one of my proudest moments of being a dad was yesterday. Um, I, re- I pulled up to a coffee shop. Uh, we jumped out. I ran in. I got a cup of coffee, and I got them a, a tall glass of whole milk, like a huge one that they could share. And th- and it's just stupid to do that because they're passing around and whole, whole milk spilling everywhere. And you know, God, you guys are a bunch of morons as they get in the car. And my six year old goes, uh, "It's it's moron, not moron." And I go, "Yeah, I know." And then my oldest one goes, speaking of morons, there's a lady behind you that's blocking from getting out of her car. And I look behind me, and because I'm dilly-dallying, I'm being the asshole that's not letting the lady who's parked next to us get out of her car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I start just f- laughing so hard, tears are rolling down my face. My other boys, like my third boy's like, you got schooled. And I'm like, God, I'm so proud of these guys. Like, yeah. correcting me on, like, I called a moron as a joke. He corrects me a moron. Then the other guy uses it right and calls me a moron for like a thing that like, I'm so fastidious about, like you should never be in someone else's way in a parking lot. Like get the fuck out of the way. Don't let make people get stuck in their car and wait for you. I was so proud of them. Situational awareness. I gave Mm -hmm. them all high fives. It was so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Boys. Uh, I'm going to show that video here real quick, if you don't mind, where I dropped no. the, where, where I dropped the kid. Here we go. Uh, Joseph, six years old, um, just out of the blue, he told me he started wanted to start doing back bends, and, uh, and, and here we go. And what's and what's crazy is. <laughs> I get up. I think you know where I was going to get a wipe to wipe the tears and snot off his face. I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just did it. Without me looking. Yeah. Okay. I should have spanked him for doing it without me looking. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this going back to purpose. I, th- I think we really were on to something here where you don't get to, you, you don't get to choose it. I, I was curious how you were going to answer that. It, it reveals itself to you. If, if you choose your purpose, is it fake? I don't know if it's fake. I, I think here's the thing, right? It reveals itself to you is, is, is similar to when people say, you know, exercise is life lessons only if you're paying attention. So it reveals itself to you when you see something and you can start to put dots into the board and start to see the pattern, like, Oh, that's something I like. Why do I like that? And you start thinking about what you're thinking about over and over and over and over and over again until it's undeniably. Yeah. That's the thing that if taken away from me would be the most damaging. Mm. Okay. Well maybe that's my purpose. You know, we're, we're really good at avoiding loss. We have a harder time at pursuing things that we're excited about. We're, we're wired to stay safe. And so one of the easiest ways I think for people to figure out what their purpose is, is to go into like, what is the deepest, darkest fear that you really have? Avoiding that might be a clue to how you find your purpose. Oh God, that's scary. Yeah. What about, um, this is, this is completely uncalled for. Uh, Ryan Tanguay, Jesus Sevon, you are a tiny man. Jesus Sevon. No, you can just call me Sevon. Some people <laughs> do like to call me Jesus Sevon. I understand. It's the facial hair. I'm not that tiny. I'm 5'5". Five five. I'm in like the 13 or I'm like in the 13 percentile. Yeah, 12 pounds of creatine. Yeah. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, my six-year-old's as tall. Your six-year-old's as tall as you. <laughs> I'm on my knees. <laughs> 
Oh, well, here we go. I'm 6'3". You're tiny. Fair. All right. Yep. Everything's nice. Be nice. O'Doyle over there. You remember O'Doyle from, uh, from how was the movie? Billy Madison. Uh, um, O'Doyle rules. No. Oh, he's the big bully in school. And Adam Sandler's like, I have a feeling your whole family's going down O'Doyle. And then they hit a banana peel on the highway and ride a station wagon off a cliff. Oh, really? Okay. I, I need to watch that movie again. Is it, is that age appropriate for my kids? Probably not. Okay, perfect. I mean, we'll the eight-year-old, like, look, I, my age appropriateness is like, whatever. Throw him in front of it. Let's see what happens. So right. I'm the wrong guy to ask, but maybe the eight-year-old. I got in trouble for playing. I got, uh, I put on Terminator mm-hmm. for the two six-year-olds and the eight-year-old. And I, that got shut. Mom walked in the room and just shut that down. I was like, mm-hmm. sorry, guys. We're 15 minutes in. They're like, wait, what? I'm like, sorry. <laughs> We'll try again. We'll try again next year. Uh, Ken Walters, uh, you're tiny for a guy. All right. All right. Easy. Easy. What about for a great Dane? Mm-hmm. Baron Trump is six, seven. Is that true? That little kid, that weird no. kid that was at the inauguration? No, that's not true. Nobody in that family goes to the six foot seven. Wow. Uh, Sean, my son just turned 13 and hit six foot. Absolutely. And I'll leave wow. out. I'll leave out the second part of what I think you should do there. But, um, yeah, you got to make sure your kid knows you're the boss. At least wrestle around with them. I have yeah. girls, so I don't have to worry about that. My, uh, what's funny? Yeah, my kids already know that they're a couple years away from being able to beat me up. My wife doesn't understand that either. That like, I don't think women understand. Sorry, the category is all. No, I'm not sorry. They don't understand the importance of like putting your hands on them. I don't think. You know. Um, I, I got in trouble the other day for grabbing my son. My wife called him five times. I went to the other room and just put my hand like on the back of his neck. Didn't even like squeeze or nothing. Just pushed him like this, like about right. that hard. Right. Like, hey, dude, mom called you. Don't I don't ever make her do that again. You're pissing me off. Mm-hmm. And I got and I got in trouble. Don't touch <laughs> I got it. I got to Don't touch him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, you should see what I do to when, you, when you're not around. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an advocate of beating kids or spanking kids, but I am an advocate of your kids knowing that you're strong. Absolutely. They asked me the other day if an, the, they train the best person in their jujitsu academy is like this 12 year old girl. The other day they asked me if they, if I could beat her up, mm-hmm. I grabbed all three of them and squeezed them and squeezed them tight until they started squealing like little pigs and picked them up. Mm-hmm. I said, don't ever ask that again. <laughs> Fucking 12-year-old. I mean, it's like, fuck, that's disrespectful. It's curiosity. Fuck, can I be Listen, I picked up mixed martial arts when I had when I found out we were having a third girl. Oh, yeah. Smart. I, I mean, like, I don't need a 16-year-old to come over and beat me up when I'm in my late 50s. Yeah. I I have this kind of this is really unhealthy. I've never said this out loud, what I'm about to tell you. I bring this out of people. I have this dark fantasy of being at the skate park with my boys who mm-hmm. probably will, won't be taller than five, six and they're 16 years old and they're all fucking blue belts that are probably could beat up most black belts mm-hmm. and some fucking dipshit fucking mouthing off there and them just getting it and just me just watching these three little boys, 16 year old boys just, I don't think that's so dark. It's, it's pretty it, dark. It's what? Well, I mean, if they kill the guy, yeah, but right. But, I know. I just, I just shouldn't <laughs> be having any thoughts of my kids like be hurting anyone. I don't think but, that's. But I already much. see how lethal they are, and I'm like, oh god, this is going to get really weird in another ten years. I think that's less about you uh, wanting to see your kids beat people up, and you wanting to know that your kids are safe. 
Right. Okay, good. I'll run with that. Yeah, run with that. Yeah. I hope my wife didn't hear that part. Oh. She, she doesn't want them to like the thought of them being in it, danger. Wait a second. Here, uh, yes, Baron is six seven, his dad is six three, and his mom is five ten. Trump's six three. Uh, they're reading that on like 4chan or some shit. Six three. He does look huge. I think he is like a 250-pound man. Well, that doesn't mean he's tall. True, true. <laughs> true. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, right, right, right. He, and he is he is rotund. Yeah. I, I put a video of him on my Instagram, and his collar is so tight that the, it, it, it goes like this. His neck goes like this. And someone said, look, he's got a vagina on his neck. And it <laughs> fucked the whole video up. One comment. One comment. Um uh said that uh he's 6'3 260 i trump looks like he's more than 260 i don't know what he is he's he is really big and, and i think he does wear a um uh girdle i'm not hating i've just heard that that he wears something to like keep it all mm -hmm. like he should would you take him as a as a client would I take trump as a client yeah active life do you think it's appropriate for him he can book a discovery call we can find out yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, New York Post is New York Post is reporting he's six seven. Um, how, much, how much time do you typically spend on this kind of stuff? On the show? Yeah. Uh, down ten hours a week. Okay. No, I mean on like how tall Donald Trump's son is and how big his dick is. Oh well, normally I would, it would if it was on a Saturday or Sunday, Caleb or Sousa would have already brought up like mm. four resources, and we would have. Uh, so we got to blame them for not being here to just discuss it. Uh, no, we got to blame me for not being able to pay them to be here during the week. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, if, if, but one of the subjects we would talk about regularly that I will bring up to you is this thing about um, um, uh, women, women who, no, sorry, men who are claiming to be women who are playing in women's sports. Mm -hmm. You have, you said you have three daughters. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, and then, if you if you're not all in, you, you're you're name called for it. So, let, yeah, I'm not. Let me say in. let me say one more thing real quick. I saw an interview with Elon Musk uh, the other day, and when he expressed concerns about AI and that it taking over, um, to Larry Page, one of the founders of Google, Larry pa Larry Page called him a speciesist. Yeah, and that was scary. And it's like. And I liked what Elon said. Yes, you're correct. I am. I'm a species. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm on team fucking human. Right. You fucking ding dong. It's like. I, I don't think it's being disrespectful to anyone. I, I actually think it's the reverse. I think that you're being disrespectful to women. If you allow men to play on women's teams but they're so convinced that those men are really women i, I and i'm just i i really want to understand why we can't just agree on is, is someone deranged are we either deranged idiots that we can't accept it or like like the bio it's, it's fact right like this cup is here mm -hmm. and that thing had a penis we all agree that penises are better in physical activity than Vaginas? Well, well, here, here, here's where um, let's not even call them men and women. Let's just call them just penis vagina. 
here here's right here's where the um what why I, can't I, we just get two smart people in the room and talk about it and like figure out at least at least figure out where our difference is well because i think too often the two smart people who would get in the room are mm-hmm. antagonistic of the other one and and to to me at least and you're biased because you have three daughters well maybe I'm, not maybe I'm, not. i don't think i'm biased because i have three daughters i i think i'm i spent I had a trans. By the way, woman. I don't know where you stand on this. By the way, yeah, just yeah. so anyone knows, I'm just springing well, this on Doctor Sean. He, uh, he has happy, no idea I'm ha- that. I'm happy to share it with you. Okay. Uh, you know, I had a trans woman come on our podcast because I wanted to ask, like, make your make your case. Meaning, it was a man who's claiming to be a woman. That's yes. what a trans woman is. Okay. Yes, I think. Uh, and it was. It, I wasn't talking about sports because, frankly, my opinion there is there's no room for it. You know, you're. XY chromosome, XX chromosome. We can call it like forget about what we call those people. XX is in this league, XY is in that league. That for me, that's simple enough. But we were talking about how to make gyms more inviting to someone who identifies that way. And one of the things that came up was they they were bringing up to me the idea of flying the LGBTQ flag so people could know that it was a safe place for LGBTQ plus people to come. And my, this was the the one place where I was like, look, I, I, I disagree. I disagree too. Because if I fly that flag, do I now have to also fly a Israel flag? I'm a Jewish guy. Do I have to fly the Israel flag? And if I fly the Israel flag and I'm tolerant of Palestinian people, do I have to fly a Palestinian flag? And if I fly those, do I have to fly a Black Lives Matter flag too? Because I want black people to feel comfortable here too. Or can I just fly the American flag? And say all of these things are possible here because of that flag. Right. So that to me stands for all of them. And I think people are allowed to make whatever decision they want around that. That's where I fall on it. I I, I saw recently um, that Australia has made it. They have a basketball league there and they've made it so that um, men, that w- men cannot play in the women's league. I think that's uh, probably a good idea. And I think what's going to happen, I think right now it's all fun and games, right? Because it's like just dumb shit like weightlifting where it's happening, you know, um, uh, insignificant sports. But I think a uh, trans woman block from Australian uh, Basketball League. I think when a uh, Lexi Rogers last month revealed in a podcast that she was applying to play uh, in for the Kilsith uh, Cobras, a Melbourne-based club in Australia. NBL one South competition. So um, they even have her as a she here. She, she wanted to put a face to the trans player. I I think, I think when a, when a man tries to get into the WNBA, that's it. We're done. Like the the game will be over. Meaning no, the the whole United States will sway in one direction because then it's money. Then it's, they're going to be infringing on money. Maybe, you know, I think frankly, what I think has happened as it pertains to this is what happens to everything, which is I, you want to, you want to, me to call you a woman, I'll, I'll call you a woman. Right. I, I, I'll respect whatever pronouns you ask. I never thought about pronouns until this was a thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to consistently say what it is that you're looking for me to say to make you feel safe in an environment around me. I'm right. down to do that all right. day long. Uh, that does I would not- appreciate it though if you dread, like if you asked me to call you she, mm-hmm. it would be harder for me than if a trans person did. So like if course, you're dressed like a woman and I'm getting all the cues, even though I'm not going to probably fall for it 99% mm-hmm. of the time, I still would call you she. Sure. I, I follow that. Yeah. What all I'm describing is it's like 
we but go then am I complicit in, in a mental disorder? So go ahead and finish and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I don't think it's our role to, to have a space in whatever, if it's a mental disorder or not, in terms of like being, making it easy, enabling all of that. I don't think that's our position. What I'm getting at is <clears throat> I think we went from let's be tolerant of all people and make all people safe around all people to, well, they're not safe unless, and it's like, well, okay, I guess that's true. And they're also not safe unless, uh, I guess that's true too. And so it just became this thing where like, unless if you just say, look, the same rules that apply to men in society apply to people who say they're men, but were born as women, then it's not safe. And that's where I think we slid off of a slope and there's, there's some correcting to be done. It's pretty fat. Do you think that there's, um, uh, I don't know how much you've looked into it. Do you think that there's anything chemical going on that's caused this all of a sudden to to reach a, a tipping point? You think I it's have, just? I have no idea. I'm not the expert in that. You know what I mean? Like something I in do. our water, like someone too much doves are used. No, so. my guess would be uh, it's more of a social thing. But I just a fad, fad. That would be my my best guess, but I don't have literature on that. Like like so, all of a sudden, um, like there were no kids with pants sagging. And flat build hats in any high school anywhere in the United States. And then NWA came around and it's 1986. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden the freshman class comes in and all of us are like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, right. You were you used to be a dork if you had both backpacks on. Now you had both backpack straps on a flat bill and your pants were sagging. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and you were trying to act like a black dude. Mm -hmm. Stereotypical black. Yeah, crazy. And then, and, then, and then that's here to stay. That stayed. That didn't just so everyone knows. It's still around. Like that didn't exist in 1986. All of a sudden, in, or 85. All of a sudden, 86. It was everywhere. Right. It's still here today. They're like, you know what I mean? Like a thug mentality. I know what you mean. Roll blunts, cigarettes, the, the lowered cars, like all that. Mm -hmm. Three wheel motion. Sorry, I'm conflating my Mexicans and my black. <laughs> who's really up on there? And so, so you think you think the um, the uh, gender talk is fad talk. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's a fad, right? Cause I don't know. I don't think it goes away. I don't think it necessarily should go away. I think that people who identify that way truly believe that that's what they are. And I don't know what the best way to handle that is for them, but I do right, believe right. Um, that we need to retain some norms Yeah. that, that make it so that people can walk around without being confused societally. And when I say people, what I'm saying is like, that's the bathroom that I go into. That's the bathroom that you go into. I'm not confused by that. I'm not talking about people being confused about who they are. I'm talking about me and other people not being confused about where to go, what to call people, that right. kind of stuff. Okay, right. The hippies seem like at Grateful Dead concerts, it's like 95% of those people weren't hippies. They, they actually cut holes in their pants and then sewed in patches and they put eggs in their hair and made their um, dreads, you know, like, 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 like I, like I was really, I didn't realize it James Newberry like was just open about like how he makes his dreads and he has them tended to like in my day, that 5% of us who are real hippies, none of us would ever admit that mm -hmm. your hair's dreaded because you don't have time and you don't give a fuck to wash it. And you don't wear shoes because you don't own shoes and mm -hmm. your pants are ripped because and patched because it's the same pair of pants you had for five years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There was just, but there was a 95% of the crew being a hippie was a fad. And they, at the end of the day, they went back to their nice college uh, dorm room and you, you know what I mean? Yep. And, and they, they washed the patchouli off them. Mm -hmm. 
and and they and yeah it's uh, oh allison <clears throat> it's called a poser yeah is it i actually woke up this morning thinking this and i didn't really want to say this because I don't, I don't want it to be an attack towards my mom but can you imagine i was a boy and no one put me in sports no one no, like my dad never pulled me mm -hmm. aside and said hey we should i should teach you weightlifting or or no one took me away for a month and be like we're, we're gonna learn how to garden i mean i did learn some of those things mm -hmm. but i just learned them by happen chance can you like why would you Why would you want to be a man and pretend like to be a woman before you f fully explored what it meant to be a man? Like, like, why not? Like, I was 34. You know why CrossFit appealed to me? I was 34, and Greg Glassman's like, okay, there's going to be a workout that's run as fast as you can for 400 meters. I was like, holy shit. How have mm -hmm. I? I'm 34, and I've never run as fast as I can for two minutes. What a fucking shitty life I've had. You know, the, the truth do, is. Do you feel me where I'm going with I that? I do. I do. And I spend very little time thinking about it. Okay, good. You know, it's, 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 it's one of those things where I, I either want to be an expert in something uh -huh. or I want to, to be safe around it. And that's it. Like, I, I want to avoid being a fool. So I'm okay oh. saying I have no idea. Right. Um, and this is one of those topics where I'm not an expert. Like, I, I don't, it's not interesting to me to be an expert. It's, it's a like, waste of time even to even worry about that stuff. Like just focus yeah, on, you think that's the place to be like, Hey, just focus on your own shit. Yeah. Cause if we all take care of our own house, we're going to be fine. Right. Right. I, I, I like that. I like that. Even though, even though I just can't, I, I can't, I can't, um, part, what, what about the part? How do you reconcile the part that like you, I, I guess you're doing your own part. That help. Well, I was gonna say, how do you reconcile that? That if you have three daughters, and just in sort of being aware and concerned about where society's going. But I guess if you're doing your part, I'm doing my part. I go to school board meetings. Yeah. You know, I, I have intentional conversations with my kids. That's, and I don't have to teach them what they're not. I can just help them understand what they are. Oh yeah. That's so good. That's so good. In, you're is is it weird if you want to help people like you hear like so so a young version of yourself is like hey i want to make a life of helping people part of it gives me like this influencer vibe like like someone's an influencer because they have a million um uh uh followers on on instagram but they really have no life experience like what the fuck are you influencing yeah like, why are you an influencer how do you know that when you're ready to start helping people I, I, it's one of my favorite things to do is challenge people on what they say they want to do. And, and not because I want to, it's one of my favorite things to do because I think that that's where people learn about themselves. And when mm -hmm. you, when you, when you know who you are, you can, you can stand on your own two feet, you know? Um, can you know who you are? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I heard, uh, a woman named Hannah Eden this weekend quoted somebody else who I don't remember who it was, but she said, I am not who I think I am. I am not who you think I am. I am who you think I think I am. Because that's that's what the that's what the world thinks that we are, right? So that's who we are until we prove otherwise. And I found that to be a really interesting quote. And then another person who I have a lot of respect for and who I'm friendly with is uh, Jen Wiederstrom. And she went up on stage and basically explained to the audience, like, you all think that you want to be me because you think that 
I'm making all of the money. I'm getting all of the acclaim. I have all of this audience. And then she pulled up her financials for the last year. She's like, who wants these? And I thought it was so badass because no one in the audience wanted them. Right, right. And what she was explaining was like, stop paying attention. Wow, that's fucking crazy. That's a crazy move. She's a boss. She was saying, stop following what you th- what people want you to think their life is and start living yours. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Because what she said. Except for you- me, if you're listening, you guys right. really do want my life. Right. I fucking live a I, fucking- Mine too. Mine yeah. too. But, but what she said that I thought was really profound is that when she was crushing, you know, yeah. uh, obviously she's like, there was no fulfillment in it because it wasn't her. She was playing a part. And so people were celebrating the part that she was playing and she was never able to internalize that as being hers because it was just a role. It was like being a movie character, but in real life. So when people would praise her, they're like, you're not praising me. You're praising who you think I am. And it's not who I am. So it was never fulfilling. I found that really cool for her to be able to say out loud. That, that phrase, um, uh, knowing who you are is just so, um, it's a trip to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll, there was a guy in the in a Q and A who this week who raised his hand. And he's like, "When you've taken down all of the bosses, he's like, you know, I'm doing a million dollars a year now. I've taken down all the bosses. How do you stay hungry?" And the answer was so simple. It's like, well, the, you're only doing it for yourself right now, because when you start doing it for other people, there's always another boss to take down. It's not like it doesn't matter what the the, the number says on the financial scoreboard. There's always something else to do. So right now you're just in a selfish pursuit of ego and wealth and that's okay. But that guy doesn't know why he does what he does. Right. If you, if he thinks he's doing it for other people, but he's asking, what do I do when there's no bosses left? It's like, dude, you generated a million dollars of revenue top line. You think that you hit scale. You think that you changed anything. You haven't taken down all the bosses. And that wasn't my answer. That was actually Tom Bilyeu's answer, and it was perfect. Uh, an, another thing, I hope this isn't too far off the topic of this because I, I want to stay on this, but another thing is when I don't think people realize is that when you're at the bottom, the enemies you have are so different than when you're at the top. Mm-hmm. Like literally pe- when you're at the top, people's whole identities will become based on being your enemy. They won't know who you are, what you're about. You could be aligned with them perfectly, and they'll be attacking you. I get a lot of that, and I'm not at the top. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it, I, I, it, it's crazy. I um, what I, what I saw happen to Greg Glassman, and 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 I I mean this with, and it's hard to say because I am so close to them, but the the accusations that were made against him. I, it, it's just fucking nuts. Can it, I give you, can I give you a third party perspective on that? Yeah, please. Um, I think that the way he carries himself and the way that he talked publicly. Right. Makes him somebody that people want to prove wrong. Right. right. He sure, still would have sure. gotten, he still sure. would have gotten shit from people. Sure. But I think that uh, a lot of people were waiting for the opportunity. For to, sure. To finally be able to say told you that guy i knew about that guy all this time instead of people saying like wow i didn't realize that that's a thing that we should probably look into it more right and and and, and another thing uh you're you're totally right 
it would be like if I was with you every single day and someone and, and a thousand people are like, I cannot believe um, Sean still drives that Honda Civic. And, and I'd been with you for 15 years and I'd never seen you drive a Honda Civic. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting here. And then I asked the three other people who've been around him every day for the last 15 years. Did you ever see? I mean, I, I know he had that Honda keychain. Mm -hmm. And I know I, I know one time we saw Honda Civic drive by when we were at the airport. But did you ever see him in a Honda Civic? Not once. It's like, mm -hmm. where the fuck is this coming? Who saw that? Mm -hmm. And why why is everyone glomming onto it? It's fucking, it's a it's a um, but it's a trip. But you're right. He's he's uh he's a contentious as a motherfucker. The dude and, is the first to admit he loves to fight. And he by comes the way, out, like he comes out, like I, I've seen Greg look in the mirror before he goes out to speak a million times. And when you know, like you know, like um some women when they look in the mirror, they go, they mm -hmm. they do this. Greg would look in the mirror and I and I would see him look in the mirror and he would posture like he's gonna fight himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's like, like I'm ready. I, I do the same thing, you know, chin debt, chin down. You know what I mean? Like if someone punched me, I got my chin, like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what? and I knew I'm like, Oh, this motherfucker is a fighter. I think, I think, um, that's his every, every right to be that way. And yeah, I think, totally, totally his right. Yes. Right. And, and, and but still wanna, doesn't make what you said before. Not true. That's what I want to be clear about. It's yeah. look, we choose the way that people are going to engage with us because we can, we can always, most of the time choose to uh what, what do you call it? like we can choose to diffuse a, a high conflict situation we don't always choose to do that and so the less often that we choose to do that the more often people are going to want to win the conflict even if one doesn't exist in the moment greg never chose to diffuse the conflict that's his personality that's his right. That is part of what made CrossFit what CrossFit was when he was at the helm of it. Right. And it wouldn't have cut through if he wasn't that. I don't right. think. I don't think so either. You're right. And and at the same time, he does something that gives somebody a breadcrumb and then they just unload the back of the truck on the guy. Right, 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 right. Wow, very well said. Thanks. You're welcome. How, how do you do you hmm. are you would you say you consider yourself contentious no no i consider myself uh inordinately comfortable with conflict to the, oh. po to the point that like i used to be contentious we talked last time about the people who knew me seven years ago wouldn't know me today i used to be yeah. contentious. i used to go looking for the fight I, there was a podcast that once asked me to come on and i listened to the podcast and it was these three doctors who used to basically just debunk everything that somebody who they didn't like would say and they would just do it to him on the podcast so i said to him i'm like hey before we do the podcast i just want to make sure that i understand what the purpose of it is can we do a pre-show can we do like a pre-call sure so i was talking at the time about the idea that uh if you can do 20 step ups to a box, that's 24 inches with 95 pounds on your left leg. And you can only do two on your right leg. Um, you're more likely to experience injury and you should focus on that than someone who is balanced from side to side. These guys were like, what, what article show me the literature? Where did you find that? I was like, I don't have literature. Like, well, you can't say that. So I said, okay. Uh, my question for you is this. Do you, did you shower today? Any of you? And they're like, yeah, of course we showered today. What, what, what do you mean? Like, well, why did you shower today? Uh, hygiene. So, okay, well, how do you know you got clean in the shower? Like, do you have peer-reviewed research that says that your shower 
has clean water, that your soap actually works, and that when you get out, you're cleaner than you were when you got in? Or is it possible? Is it possible that you're actually using toxic soap, your water is dirty, and when you get out, you're worse off than when you got in? Because you don't have a double-blind, peer-reviewed literature article. And you've killed all the bacteria that would have kept you safe. Yep. And, they, and they were like, oh, I knew you were going to be like this. We're not even going to do the podcast. Oh, ad hominem. Yeah. So Straight to the attack. So I used to be that way. I used to seek that out. I, it felt really good to have those fights. Now, aren't metaphors I, beautiful for yeah. fucking people? God, I love yeah. a good metaphor. What, good what job, I, by the way, on that. Thank you. What I want to do more often now is I want to have respectful debate with people where where they genuinely. How would you have handled that differently nowadays? Yeah, if I would have I said, "Hey," have engaged, I would have said, "Look, I." I I understand the way that you guys run your show and I know that your interest is to make me look stupid and to try to prove to your audience that you're smarter than me and that what we're doing doesn't have any merit. I don't think that'd be a fun podcast. I'm down to do it if you want. This oh, is even beforehand, you would have said that. Yes. You would have vetted it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm still like, bring it. I'm still down for the fight. I just don't think the fight is, interesting to people who I want to work with. And so what's the point? What's the point of having fight after fight after fight if there's no no glory afterwards? So I can go home and pound my chest? What do you think about going the opposite way with things sometimes? Like, so I don't know if I want to share this, but I'll, I'll be vague about it. Ooh. I don't know if I can be vague about so it. So the opposite way to me is steel manning. What's that? What's that mean? I can make your case for you as well or better than you can make your case for yourself. Oh, so yeah, it's kind of like that. Like I, I hear something and I say, or let's say, let's say, let's say I heard a podcast you were on hmm? and I would say, congratulations on doing like, my thought would be fuck Sean shit the bed there. What a fucking shit show. And then I would be like, it, and I may make a post about that. Go listen to Sean Pastuch here where he says you should eat 700 eggs a day. What a fucking ding dong. And then I, and, but instead I take a deep breath, I relax. And then I instead post uh, um, congratulations to Sean for being on the blah, blah, blah podcast and getting 6 million eyeballs on it. You know, you know what I mean? So I'm not lying, but I've decided to flip the script on just. Uh, well, I think that's, um, it's a little bit underhanded doing yeah. Yeah, and, and you're yeah. not, and you're, I do feel underhanded when I'm doing it. Yeah, like like well, I'm well, crumpling my mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, I think um, the the way that being I mean, open, kind of pr- 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 uh, still um, um, maintain some integrity, like at least I wasn't dishonest. Well, you can me. you can say, hey, this person was on this show, and I agreed with a lot of what they said, and I thought it was really smart, and then they said some things I really didn't agree with. I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah, that's and that's not underhanded if it's true. But the, the being comfortable with conflict has served me really well once I've learned how to manage my own emotions and actions better. Because, for example, you on the last podcast, you shared with me how you felt about the way that Dr. Gabrielle reads her ads on her show. Yeah. She's a friend of mine. Yeah. I shared with you that she's a very high integrity person and that you don't need to worry about that. That's something I wouldn't be able to do if I wasn't comfortable telling you something that maybe you wouldn't like, or maybe you would right. after the show, I texted her 
I said, hey, I got some really good feedback for you about your podcast that I think might make you more trustworthy and easy for your, your listeners to believe. And I shared it with her. And she was like, thank you so much for that feedback. I really appreciate it. She <clears throat> did? She did say that? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Because um, she could have said, fuck you, I got to pay the bills. No, she didn't. Uh, or she could have said, fuck that, who's that? Oh, that's that ding, some ding dong who got canceled told you that. No, she wants to be great. Oh. And so, so you know, part of it, she's, she, you know, her full response, I don't remember, but but it was along the lines of like, I, I, I need to hit certain points for them. And sometimes yeah. it's easier to say it in their words than to come up with my own, but I wouldn't put anything on my show I don't believe in. And I wouldn't put anything on my show that I don't use. So, you know, the point being, both of those conversations for me were fairly high conflict for a person who doesn't like conflict at all. Telling you you're, you're misjudging her and telling her she is putting this impression off into the world. Both of those can be scary for people. Yeah, so I've been yeah. able, I've been able to take my high level of comfort with somebody just basically telling me I'm a terrible human being and being able to get into a fight with them and parlay it into something valuable for myself and other people around me. You, you had a, um, you had a program you where you were making a significant amount of money, but people yeah. weren't using your program and you cold the herd, right? Yeah. So that was what our, happened there. Yeah. Uh, good, good entrepreneurial lesson here for people. Uh, we were selling. I think little, you're kind of crazy for this story, but, but, um, I am, I think this it's is, a little, this was I, an I don't think it's, I don't think it's your place to do that, but, but fuck, I, I mean, no one can, it earns you a lot of street cred. Someone I mean, is pretty crazy. It was also pretty dumb. So it was dumb. It was dumb. I'll share with you how I could have done it better. Okay. So, okay. so we had a program that we called bulletproof. It was bulletproof shoulders, bulletproof back, bulletproof knees, bulletproof ankles, you know, thick, uh, thick pack, all, all these, these templates. And we were doing over $50,000 a month in recurring revenue from these programs, from subscriptions that people were paying us. And I was looking for testimonials and I went in and I saw that, um, less than 10% of people who buy the programs even open the email that they receive when they buy it. So they weren't using it. And then of the 10% of people who did open them, less than 10% of them finished a program, which means 1% of people buying our stuff were using it. Now that's still at the time more than a thousand people a month. So it's not, no, it wouldn't have been more than a thousand people a month. It would have been probably like 50 people a month. Okay. So 70, but so, I was so brand new to core values. It was a new thing to me to like have them and to stick to them instead of them being just words on the wall that sound nice when you walk in the door. I was like, integrity is one of our core values. We say that's doing the right thing for the right thing, regardless of personal gain or loss. Kill those programs. Stop selling them. And we cut $50,000 a month of top line and like $44,000 a month of bottom line off of our books when we really couldn't afford to do that, it was the, the right. Way, Greg used to do shit like that. Mm. And as an employee, you want to fucking like drive it. Yeah. Go crazy. I want to, you want to fucking jump off the building head first into the ground. So hindsight, what I would have done is I had $44,000 to use to get people using the program. I could have, oh, oh shit. I didn't realize it at the time. I could have invested 20 of it every month. And said, so we made it like, you now get a check-in with a coach. You now get yes. access to this, yes. whatever. And instead yes. I just killed the program. So I adhered to my core value. Right. Without being a smart business person. Right. And I could have done both. 
Right. Right. You, 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 uh, wow. Yeah. I was going to think of a good like sexual metaphor for it. Like you have this, you have an erection every day and your wife isn't using it. And so you cut it off. No, 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 no. Maybe you should add a uh, uh, 15 minutes of, of exercise a day and shower a little better to like maybe entice her to use it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Don't just, don't just snip off the penis. That was a roundabout, but I, I'll go with it. Okay, I, was, I was desperate. I was desperate. I always like a good pee. I, I, that my, my, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't tell anyone of this, but I, 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 I'm not interested in sexual metaphors, but I'm obligated because my, my core group of base demands them from I me. understand. But really just disgusts me, all of this sex I understand. talk. Yeah, these, all this these, penis talk. It's just so crass. Your juvenile followers yeah. who oh. force you to stay yes. in the mud. It's disgusting. These assholes. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, thank you for doing this. I, I really uh, enjoy your conversation. I would come on anytime you want. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I, 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 would, I would like to do it again. Sure. You're, you're a good dude. That was fun. I never know where it's going to go. Uh, here we go. Look at, we require, yeah, we require the eggplant. I, I understand Heidi. Mm-hmm. I'm, oh, woe is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was in a, um, I was in a play when I was a little kid and I think I had to say that like in kindergarten. What was oh, me? What was me? Or no, no, maybe the girl had to say it. Yeah. I think I, I think I was, I think it was Annie Oakley. Mm. And I think Annie Oakley had to say it. And I played across Annie Oakley. It's cool. Um, I, I want to make sure that your listeners and your watchers, whatever it is, that they, that they take note. I'm in a different room today and I am hardwired I, into the internet. I did. Oh, oh, okay. I did. I did see that. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you, you want some other feedback? Sure. Okay. Um, unbelievable right there. That background, like at any moment, I expect you to break out a cigar. I mean, you fucking look, you, you really look stunning today. I think you're having some exposure issues yeah. because it's on automatic exposure. Mm-hmm. And so as you move around, um, we get different. But other than that, it, the background is, uh, uh, it, it's it's fantastic. I, yeah, look at the background is good. Yeah, the whole thing is, it's pretty damn good. Thank and you. It, it's a trip how you have the mic set up, like pointed away from you, and yet you're still getting good audio. It's, I like that. I noticed, I'm like, wow, he's he's rocking it. I, I wanted to do better for you this time. Well, thank you. It's cool. You're welcome. Uh, is that still in your offices? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. a different room. All right. All right, brother. Cheers. Cheers. I appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, we'll be in touch. Maybe I'll just have Matt schedule us again, like in three months. Whenever you want, man. All right. I, I, re- I, I find your conversation thought provoking, and I really enjoy speaking to the audience who I know is listening because, generally speaking, when I get to talk to the audience who's listening to this on the show. I'm doing it through Instagram and short bits and I get a lot of stones and I'm okay with it. You know, I understand that sometimes a stone comes your way. You got to kind of take it on the head so you yeah. can pick it up and see that it's a gold nugget. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoy talking to you in this format because people get to hear what I really mean. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Cool. That makes me feel good too. Cause I, I translated that to, um, I do. Ha- I I know that I talk over people and I talk a lot. Um, and, and I'm okay with it. I, I really am okay with it. But I but that I still with that in mind, I want to make sure people get to say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. Well, so you do a good job of that. Okay. All thank right, brother. You, thank you. Uh, and um, yeah, I'll see you soon. Yep. Cheers.
Sean Pastuch, The Active Life. Seth, I'll make your appointment fix your back. No one can fix my back. Nobody. I have to pee so bad. How do you not have a fucking CEO shirt? I did talk to Tillander. I did. I did. I did. He called me twice last night. And I, and, I, and, I, and I was with the kids, and I wanted to talk to him. And then finally I called him back very late night. And we talked for, I don't know, 45 minutes. And he told me he was going to pull the video down. But I'm not sure I want to share any of that yet. That might be for tomorrow's call live call-in show. Maybe. Uh, I, I, do, I, do, I do want to read this comment that was on the – you guys want to watch Brooke Wells take her shirt off again? Or do you want, me to, do you want to talk about um, tattoos and insights and shit? What do you, what do you want to do? That's a tough decision. Uh, your channel. Um, okay, go to manage videos. I thought Sean looked really good today. Extremely – like debonair even, handsome, slick. I thought he looked awesome. Okay, here we go. I'm going to read this comment to you. Uh, where the fuck is the comment? Um, shit. Uh, oh, did the guy take it down? I basically proposed to you guys this thought in yesterday's show before... Um, I proposed to you this thought before the show began with uh, Asia Barto and uh, Leah Barto. I was talking to you about how thoughts work and that like, hey, it's not mental illness if you have a nose ring. It's not mental illness if you have a tattoo. But like you're, you're spending money into – you're getting there, – there's some, some sort of a ratio. Think of it as some sort of ratio. And the more and more you look to the outside world to fix your problems, the more and more you're getting closer to mental illness. It's a fantastic model. And someone said, someone tried to come. Sorry. Hello. 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 Oh, my wife died of breast cancer already. Sorry. Thank you, though. Okay. I completely understand. That's why we have one last level. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that my wife died. Okay. Okay. I understand. Thank you. The, 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 automated, the automated bot for a breast cancer research even has um, like sound in the background, so it feels like she's in a room with a bunch of other telemarketers. How's that? That was pretty fucking high end. Uh, so, so and, and this guy, and, and someone proposed, hey, someone wrote in the comments, um, who, who I think writes a lot of antagonistic stuff. Uh, Sevon, are you suggesting, and I'm suggesting like, hey, when you have a thought, let it pass. So you have a thought, you want to get a tattoo, let it pass. You want to get a piercing, let it pass. Let those things pass. And, and, let, and let, let some deeper things come up that's actually the instigator, the catalyst for those thoughts. And 99% of the time, they're going to be, it's going to be some sort of bodily a sensation or discomfort that you're reacting to. There's this relationship thoughts in the body have that if, if you're not aware of, you need to cultivate that awareness to understand that. And it's why people act on things. People do things out of discomfort, right? 
So this guy fucking writes in the comments, oh, so Savon's saying that when his son had a bladder infection, he should have just sat with it and let that thought pass and not taken him to the doctor. Dude, you completely fucking missed the point. By no means am I suggesting if there's a piano falling out of the air that you not move. By no means. Yes, that's a, that's a fantastic thought. I need more tattoos. What do you think the origin of that thought was? The root. The root. That's all. I'm, get, I'm giving fucking free fucking insight. And then he writes, and then I said, hey, dude, I think you totally missed the point. And he writes back, oh, you just think what you talk about is profound. How did it become what I think about what my fucking thoughts are? And then I'm thinking to myself, why am I even responding to this, to this guy? And I guess I guess the only reason why I'm responding to him or responding to you now is, is like there's no reason to be defensive against any of that stuff. I mean that's like it's, it sounds like it just reeks of a monster ego. Like, like I'm just giving you insights into how you can see how things are working inside your own brain. We're all the same. No one has some like tricked out brain that works differently. All bikes – you set them at the top of a hill and you get on them. They roll down. All of them. There's no there's no bikes that don't do that. Here we go. Heidi, Heidi Kroom dropping some bombs. Uh, why do we listen to this show every day? It's because we are mentally ill and can't be alone with our thoughts. We need something to stimulate our minds. Uh, I was going to go with your losers and don't have any real friends, but I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, 12 daily doses. I don't read your shit anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, do you work out to look better or for health? I work out to look better. I work out to eat so I could eat more. If it's even 10% to look better, it's no different than getting a tattoo or piercing. Is that mental illness? Yeah, absolutely. You're 100% right. But except for this part at the end, is that mental illness? Yeah, that's exactly right. You're spending the, and look at, and you can mitigate. You, you, you almost got it, except you're so contentious. You want to prove a point instead of get insight. Roll with that a little bit, let go of a little bit of that ego, and you can see, yeah, that you're you're right on it. You're getting it. Do you work out to look better or for health? But if it's no, if it's if it's either of those, buddy, if it's either if you work out either for health or for um, it's just thoughts. You're getting you're getting stuck. It's just they're it's they're all just thoughts. It's just reacting to thoughts. It doesn't matter if it's for health or for better look. That's just the the mind playing more tricks on you. It doesn't work like that doesn't work like that. If you're sitting still and you get up for any reason, you're doing it to alleviate some sort of discomfort. And that's okay. That's okay. No one you, you act like you act like I'm judging you if you're mentally ill or if you if you if you if you do things to to go towards the mental illness. I am not. I'm just saying, uh yeah, he does owe me 49.99. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Uh clock, uh, thank you. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the reason, but just remember, they're all. It, it's all the same. So when you're reacting to a thought and you don't even know where that thought comes from, and next thing you know, you're getting a tattoo from your shoulder to your fingertip. What you've done is you've then, because ideally, in your happiest state and in enlightenment, you're going to know all the origins of all your thoughts. You're going to. See, you're going to at least be have the deepest insight possible to what, the well that they come up from. But those will, but but you're suspending those abilities by addressing them in the outside world. That's all I'm saying. 
You take the term mental illness way too lightly. People with real mental illness are fucked up. You aren't. That's fine. That's good. excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Probably, you probably there's there's probably some truth to that. Yes, yes, you're right. Yes, yes. Um, the mission of the Sevon podcast is to me to live out my um, childhood fantasy of being a comedian. I loved Abbott and Costello. I don't know if this is really true, but bear with me, Trish. Uh, to um, uh, uh, have a place where people we can kind of dig down to the truth as long as we stay within the WHO guidelines on any topic and um, to uh, so it's to laugh for, for me to like build like make people think uh, hopefully make people laugh so that I can like walk around thinking I'm funny and um, and, and a place to uh, dig around in the truth but but you know it's interesting and, and I and I do like it and I do like the journey I've been on the the only hard part that's been in the last 800 episodes is the fact that a couple of weeks ago when I just started doing live calling shows I started like n not liking myself a little bit that's too harsh but I didn't want to do the shows I was tired of like I I, I really like having guests on I like both but I felt like I started being too negative and I'm not a negative person at all um and so that was kind of a cool part of the adventure. But really, at the end of the day, um, I didn't. The purpose has it must be somehow connected to my kids because in the mission. I mean, I would love to show I God and, and to get better. I really just want to get better at this. And what is this? I don't know. The funny part in, 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 in exploring the truth. I just want to get better at that. That's like that's really why I like having Sean on because we you can just dig with him. Two people we were just dig we can just dig around, right? Just two kids in the backyard just digging. Uh okay. You need tranquility walk or walk around Savon's garden and keep garden and take Deep breaths. You need tranquility. Is that 12, 12 daily doses needs a tranquility? God, the garden is going off right now. Thank you. Yes, there we go. That, that, yes, that I kind of a self-improvement podcast with deep CrossFit roots. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's it. I, th I think I put I put us categorized in the self-improvement category. I think that's what we where we are. Would you do it if you had no kids? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I would definitely travel more. I keep getting invited to go places. I would go to all the places I get invited to. I keep getting invited by, re I, I think maybe I'm even fucking up by not going to these places. Did he say that people with tattoos are mentally ill? I was getting coffee. No, I was saying that people with nose rings and tattoos are way fucking mentally ill. No, I'm saying that they're not mentally ill. That wasn't the point. It would, these were examples to you to talk about thoughts. Don't get caught up on those things, please. Okay. Um, oh, the, the, this is a uh, coffee pods and wads. A uh, Pedro chimes in from uh, very, very, very far away. A self improvement podcast with deep CrossFit roots and intermittent stand up. 
how about a self-improvement stand-up podcast with deep CrossFit roots? I do, but I do like how you got the word intermittent in there. You need to get out of your little bubble. I think it's a conjecture. Why does it? Someone dislikes Yash. I don't know. Yash is cool. Eric, I'm glad you find it funny. I don't care if my comments get pulled up. I've never once thought that anyone cared if their comments got pulled up, by the way. Unless they get unless they gave money. If they gave money, I assume that then hey, I really want to get this pulled up. And I feel an obligation and, and I'm happy to feel that obligation. Okay, Barry McCockner, let's get to Talander. That'll be tomorrow. I gotta pee too bad. Um all right. He's a misunderstood as he blocks people. Who blocks who? I don't know what you're talking about. Jan, hi. Good to see you. I thought it was Jan with a J. We will wait. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you. Um, sorry about the No Frisbee show this week. Um, and uh, first thing in the morning, uh, we will... Um, maybe talk about uh, Mr. Zach Talander. I'll open up the phone lines. You guys can call and ask whatever questions you want. Okay. Bye-bye.